This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Balog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're a couple of ladies with cancer and dying in mm. ditches while watching spines 73 and 74 on the Criterion Collection. Agnes Varda's Cleo from 5 to 7 from 1962 and Vagabond from 1985. But first, RJ, fall Yo. is here. Fall is here, man. Yeah, I was coming in like a hurricane. I, I was a. Uh, well, that's a poor choice of words. Yeah, I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> I think it's because people have been saying hurricane so much the last two weeks. It's probably it was just in there. It struck like an earthquake. Oh, there, there you go. Oh. There you go, baby. That's but, like, uh, oh, man, there's lots of dead people in Mexico. Yeah, there is. That's that's very uh, sad. Hey, this is a great way to start a podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, man, falls here. Uh, I was out for my walk uh, yesterday, and I was like, holy uh-huh. shit, the leaves are falling. Like the the the, yep. the the yards are all filled with leaves already. It's like, man, uh, that didn't take long. Well, we didn't get a lot of moisture over the summer, as we've discussed, mm-hmm. and uh, we had some pretty extreme heat. So you know, extreme summer. I bet it's going to be pretty extreme winter, mm-hmm. bro. I've been saying that for a while, uh, and it got really cold. It's not even that cold. It's like plus 50. Some wow. days it's like plus 10, but it feels like it's minus 20 already. Yeah, we're, we're accustomed to 30-degree uh, weather now, and like when it's like 15, it's like, whoo, it's a little chilly yeah. in here. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's going to get really cold. I don't mind the cold. I don't like the snow, though, so I'm really hoping it – I hope it's like some snow, but not all the snow like some years. I did hear a uh, big north of us a couple hours. Uh, Edmonton just got snow today, wow. so that might blow right down over to us. Wow. Just like a couple of assholes talking about the weather. Hey, maybe uh, maybe our fan is interested in the weather no. in our in our region. <laughs> no, they're not. No, no fans? Did anyone write in this week? Uh, I don't think so, no. Well, fuck them then. If they don't write in and tell us their opinions on things, we're going to talk about the weather and a bunch of bullshit, all right? Oh, yeah. That, that's They they know that already, I think. They had it coming. Um, yeah, so how, how have you been? Uh, I'm, I'm doing all right, man. We're getting really busy at work. They call it the fall run. It's uh, the busiest season of the year from about September right until Christmas. We got sales almost every day. It's uh, real busy, and it's just gonna it gets busier and busier. So October will be kind of busy, November will be very busy, and then December will be very busy. So if I'm uh, a little a little less um, bubbly in those <laughs> months, uh, it's probably because I'm working a lot. So people can get prepared for that. That sounds great. Uh, yeah. Wh- what about you? Uh, or were you gonna say something? Oh, I was gonna say, what, what are you what are you drinking over there, RJ? I'm drinking a um, sparkling water. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Andrea call it Fizzy Bubba, which you might remember from the hit movie You Don't Mess With the Zohan from Adam Sandler. I don't uh, remember they, that. They, well, it's a good movie. You should watch it. Uh, they have an um, Israeli delicacy drink, and they call it Fizzy Bubba. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Andrew's got me on these, um, <clears throat> like the carbonated waters, like uh, La Croix. And the Perrier, and this one is a Nestle Pure Life, um, because I'm supposed to settle down on the beer. 
Hey, apparently, did, did, I have did, a problem. Did you hear that uh, Ric Flair came out as uh, admitting he was an alcoholic uh, his whole life, and now Good he's he, he's planning on never having a drink again? Well, he's like fucking 85, and didn't he just have a huge heart attack? So he probably uh, should yeah, have he, a drink. He had several uh, massive medical problems all like happened in yeah. like a week. So, yeah, but he's on the mend. Woo. So, yeah, when I have like eight heart attacks and two strokes, then I'll probably quit too. Yeah. I just need to uh, pull back a little bit, you know? Yeah. Pull, pull it back a little bit. Nice. And uh, getting a little beer belly over here. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's not that I have a drinking problem. It's that she has a problem with my drinking. Oh. hey You ever heard that one, Jared? No, I don't hang enough. Uh, hang out with enough dads. I, I got all the good ones. You know, I'm not hungover. I'm just tired from staying up all night drinking. Hmm. Well, nice. uh, since you asked RJ, nice. uh, I went to a uh, vinyl record sale again. I think I might have even brought this up last year. Loving Records over in Gold oh, yeah. Gardens. Uh, it yeah. was a little chillier in the sh- in the shade this year because it was like mm-hmm. you know again we were as complaining during the weather. Uh, mm-hmm. Chilly. It was a little chilly, but we're not used to it. Um, Chanel, that should make chilly. Ch- Chanel bought some records. And yeah. I looked around at stuff because I don't buy any records except for Why like not? horror movie soundtracks, which you never get to see uh, in this neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was that was cool. And then looked over at food trucks, and I just went, I, I don't need any of that in my life. You might not need it, but would you have would you have wanted any of those? Did any of it look good? No, usually it's just like really expensive. At least like the ones that yeah. like are in our town. Like they're just like it's like fifteen dollars for like. Uh, food truck Vietnamese food it's like no yeah it's just not acceptable well you could give me the $15 and I'll make you lunch yeah well, what would that entail a lot of lentils Ch- and chili J- yeah chi- oh I make a good chili actually but that just reminded me one time uh, I was packing Andrea's lunch for her because I'm a good boyfriend and I pack her lunch for her uh, ow but, but, ow but uh, one day I actually made a mistake. Instead of packing the prepackaged lunch that she prepared, uh, I packed a, all, a can, all, an entire can of lentils that was in a Tupperware. She took it to work and it was all lentils. She said, I can't eat this. You suck. <laughs> and I was like, sorry. Uh... Sorry. But actually, that reminds me. You were talking about fall. This I can actually start making my chili again. Because mm-hmm. now just, yeah, cause it gets too hot in your place. It gets too assuming. hot. Yeah. Yeah, it would get too hot in our place because I make my chili smoking hot, man. Um, and then you usually you sweat it out at night when you're sleeping. Like your body cranks way up. And I'm already running hot like normally. So uh, like I don't mind, but I think it bothers other people. I remember the last time I made it, Andrew was like – because I make a like a meat, a portion that f- would feed a family for like a week. But I just eat it by myself. So I eat chili for like a whole week. And I think the last time Andrea's like, it's seeping out of your pores. Like she could just smell like all the salt and uh, cayenne pepper, cayenne and like all the pepper. It was just coming out of my pores for like three days. So it's a real treat. Mm -hmm. I'll give you some when I make it. You'll like it. Okay. Yeah, I'll fire. You'll be firing it out afterwards, though. Really punishing that porcelain. So, I mean, we've talked about weather. We've talked about chili. Uh, hey, RJ, what what, what what you what you been creeping on this week? I just got a few for you. Okay. Just got a few. Uh, I was going to just talk about some Stephen King, but you told me to talk about another movie I watched. Um, I only bring it up because last week 
or was it the week before that we ran really long and it was that was your fault too so i just want people to know that i don't choose these things um i could be done by now if i would just talk about what i was talking about anyways uh so i watched some stephen king movies but i also watched this thing called paulo alto by what the uh, the fuck is this so james franco wrote this and your gal gia coppola directed it i don't even know who she is She's one of the Coppolas, I assume. I didn't even know there was like another Coppola. Uh, Yeah, there's another one. She hasn't, she did two other movies, it looks like. Um, Oh no, one's a short and the other's a short too. So this is the only movie she made and it came out four years ago. Hmm. Uh, I think it has like fairly decent ratings and people like it. It's one of those like coming of age uh stories you know what i mean mm. uh, i believe Pablo alto is a area in california so i think it's like james franco is, wrote a a story about like teens coming of age in this like really rich suburb in california uh-huh. um i didn't really like this movie i thought it was kind of dumb okay. uh, everyone over 30 is like a molester or has a relationship with like a kid and oh. that might be the case down there yeah but i was like i was like okay because it, it was like all of them it wasn't just one it was like every time they'd meet a new adult it was the guy would like touch the kid's hair and he'd be like oh okay <laughs> um i don't know it was have you heard of that like 13 reasons why yeah. show on netflix i have it seemed like it seemed like that a little bit like there was one girl who was like who got used sexually a lot and it was like is she gonna kill herself and then there was another girl who was in a relationship with her teacher and it was like is she gonna kill herself and then there was one kid who was like got a dui and it was like oh it's hard being a kid and you're like okay um i don't know man it was okay but uh it's it was a little extravagant for me coming from a uh, nice farming community like we do. We don't get all these uh, rich suburban molester folk like uh, <laughs> James, James Franco apparently uh, grew up with. Holler. So uh, Nat Wolf is in this too, and that guy fucking sucks. Who's that? Uh, you know uh, from that hit new movie, Death Note? Yeah, uh, well, I, I, I know of it. Whoever the lead is in that. Okay. <laughs> Name's Nat Wolf. He sucks. I don't like him. He's like he his character in this is like he has ADD or something, but he's also like really his dad's gay and uh, like molest kids, and like he has to express himself very like uh, exaggerated mm-hmm. because because of this, like he's compensating for it, and it's just like don't. It's like it's like come on. <laughs> it's just it gets really annoying. It's like yeah, I know that happens. That sucks, but. Don't be annoying. <laughs> so anyways. Don't be annoying. That was a movie I watched. Okay. I wasn't talking about it. But hey, you know what I did watch? Stephen I watched King. a Stephen King movie that I actually thought was pretty good. Yeah. Not pretty good, but it was okay. Uh, I watched Sometimes They Come Back. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a made-for-TV movie, man, yeah, from I... 1991. Yep. You know about this bad boy? I do. I I, from, I I saw this many years ago when when it was like the perfect age to watch like a straight to movie straight to TV straight to TV movie. movie about bullies. Yeah, from the uh, director of Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, some people's <laughs> favorite Friday the Thirteenth. I've heard. I don't know. I haven't seen it. 
so this movie doesn't have very good ratings. Uh, and it's based on a short story that uh, I've read, actually. So I kind of it's it's actually they do a pretty good good job translating it over. At first, I was like, oh, no. But uh, the more I watched, I was like, yeah, they did OK. So it's about like this kid and he grew up in the 50s and there was like bullies and they bullied him. And then his brother died because of the bullies. And then the bullies died and he's like haunted by it and he moves away and then he comes back as an adult. But then the bullies come back too, mm-hmm. and they still pick on him. <laughs> they're like, and "Hey!" And they're to be clear, they're they're greasers. they're greasers. Yeah. Yeah, they're like '50s greasers, and like the the guy who grew up is a teacher now, and they're like kids in his class, and they're like, "What's it to you, nerd?" And they like push him <laughs> and stuff like that, and it's really funny. Um, I actually thought it was not bad, man. Like, I, mm. I see it has really poor ratings, but um, it's pretty decent, Stephen. Like, it's super Stephen Kingy, if I can say that. Uh, sure got all his tropes the 50s uh, a writer basically like he was he either writes people who are writers teachers or work in factories because mm-hmm. those are like his three jobs that he had in his life and and his and his villains are uh, bullies uh and bullies. A theme of like stand by me it sometimes they come <laughs> back and the litany of sometimes they come back sequels yeah i uh i'm i might dive into those next creeptober not this year but maybe next creeptober because i've heard those are uh some shit tacular uh movies so um no i don't know man like i thought that for a made for okay so when it first starts i was like oh no because the video is really grainy and the sound is a little warbly at points and you're like oh man you're like "Uh oh is this a vhs (laughs) you know um and it's got goofy stuff like there's lots of flashbacks and you're like oh whatever um, so this first 20 minutes isn't great, but then when the bullies actually do come back and they start bullying kids, I thought it was really funny. Um, cause bullies are funny, uh, when they're greasers from the fifties, mm-hmm. they're smoking in the boys room and they're driving on the railroad tracks and you're like, yeah, Stephen King, you're a fifties kid. You know what it's like. Um, there was a couple cool parts. They don't have great effects, like great practical effects because it was made for TV. But there's one part where the bullies in the car with the or like the new bully is in the car with the other bullies. And uh, one of them is like just a skeleton, but with like goop on it. And I thought that was cool. The new age bully was really funny, too, because when it starts before the 50s bullies come, he like the new age bully has this big speech. He's like, listen, teach. You can call me uh like coop or the coopster <laughs> and he's like so we don't they, they talk like you yeah they do uh, and he's like this is a football player class we don't do school we just pass baby and then like he like touches some kid and you're like yeah yeah maybe that's why i like this movie is because i talk like these bullies do <laughs> 50s <Get nerds>. <laughs> yeah so i don't know i i didn't think this was that bad actually i thought it was okay do you remember this, or is it too far away? Uh, like it was a long time ago that I watched it. I remember being, yeah. like, kind of neat, I guess. Like, oh, ghost bullies. But, like, uh, this, I was probably grade five when I watched it. So however, however old you are when you're in grade five, uh, that's the last time I saw it. So it's been, like, over 20 years. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll take your word for it that it's I. Uh, yeah, I liked it. Uh, my Jarrett prediction would probably be a two-star. Ooh, that's 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 pretty bad, actually. Uh, I don't know, maybe two and a half. Fine. I bet you would like it more than some of the new age movies that come out. Okay, 
but, uh, but, but I still you that uh, your other uh, Stephen Pick flick. Uh, okay. I I, then... I uh, I'd seen this movie a while ago, um, mm-hmm. and I I mean I vaguely I don't remember really actually anything about this movie, but I've seen that my star rating is like one and a half stars, and you went even further <laughs> in loathing this movie. I think I found I can officially say that in my uh, in my Stephen King creeping uh, in my ranked list, I think I have uh, 44 movies and uh, on my full complete list. I think he's got like 92, but a lot of those include sequels that like he's not really yeah. they're, they're affiliated not. Yeah, they're not based on actual stories. They're just. Yeah. Yeah. I have them in there, though, because I mean, they're anyways. So uh, I think I found the worst Stephen King uh movie ever made worse than Dreamcatcher. Um, yeah yeah okay. it is uh because and the reason for that too is because i actually really like the book Dreamcatcher, oh, and man. i kind of i don't know i kind of don't mind the Dreamcatcher movie it's really bad but uh i don't know it's okay the book is really good hmm. um so Start, the movie starring, uh jason lee yeah and he no i was gonna say he's in this too hmm. but uh Ooh. Oh, out there for a second? Uh, something happened there. Continue. Uh, I was going to say he's in this too, but I think it's David Arquette. Um, so I watched 2004's Riding the Bullet mm-hmm. by uh, Mick Garris, or as you called him one time, Shit Garris, <laughs> who uh, I can safely say now is the absolute worst director to ever uh, adapt a Stephen King story. Or any, he has, or any story. Or any story. He has uh, some of the absolute worst Stephen King movies I've ever seen, like Riding the Bullet, uh, Sleepwalkers, Desperation. Um, he has other movies too, but like, oh, God, he's bad. <laughs> okay, he's got so, that movie Fuzz Bucket. What? <laughs> oh, God. So uh, so why is this movie so bad, RJ? Tell, tell, um, tell, us, tell us the plot of Riding the Bullet. Okay, uh, so the plot is uh, like... I know the short story of this one, too. It's a kid who's got a hitchhike, which, like, riding the bullet, I guess, is a euphemism for hitchhiking. Yeah. Because, like, his mom is sick in the hospital two towns away, like, a couple towns away or a state away, and uh, he's hitchhiking to go see her. And what what happens in the story is that he gets picked up by basically, like, the devil or some kind of demon or something. Mm -hmm. And he makes like a bargain about like for his life, for his mom's or it's like, you know, your mom could die if it's like I could kill you or your mom. I could kill your mom. What would you prefer? And I think in the story it was a little bit better. Uh, I'm going to give you a full disclosure here, Jared. I stopped this movie halfway through. I didn't even finish it. Uh-huh. I didn't even get to the part where he got picked up by the the devil or the demon. Okay. <laughs> Because I I, I I was so sick of this fucking movie. I was like, no, I don't care. I don't want to watch it anymore. Um, and why is this movie so bad? Uh, because it's absolute horse shit. It's like so all over the place, like tonally. Um, Mick Garris like thinks he's really cool. He's like, I'm going to make a 60s movie, man. And like mm-hmm. he throws in all these the 60s music yep. and like all these 60s uh, s- like clothing. And then the music's in there. It's like playing in the background and then you have what he thinks is like funny stuff but it's just like uh as you described earlier not e- it's not even dad humor it's just like really poor taste and humor like he'll it'll be a guy who's like yeah i really like pain man <laughs> isn't that crazy and you're like is that a joke um 
so like he, he tries to make it bubbly with the 60s stuff, but then it gets really dark. It's like, oh, I'm going to kill myself because I'm the prince of darkness. And then you're like, what? And then it goes to like really sentimental. It'll be like a flashback with the kid and his mom. And he's like, I love you, mom. Our dad left, but we'll always have each other. And it's like it keeps bouncing back all over the place and it doesn't really I don't know, man. I don't I don't like it. And then there's really bad stuff in it too. Like uh the character has self uh dialogue with himself, but it's in the form of like he appears beside himself. Yeah. And they talk to each other. Right. And it's like it's like his thoughts, but it's like, why does that need to be in here at all? Like, did he think that was a really clever uh like a really clever gimmick for his movie. It's like, yeah, it's going to be like his thoughts, but he's going to be there, man. But this is like 2004. I'm sure that's happened before sometime. Um, and then it's just got really classic shitty Mick Garris stuff. Like uh, um, I saw there's a lot of fake outs where like you think he's in trouble, like a, uh, an animal will approach. This is where I stopped watching. Actually, a German shepherd approaches and growls at him. And then like, he oh so he daydreams a lot so he like daydreams that the german shepherd like bites his throat out and you and you're like okay but then it'll cut back to it not happening and he does that a lot like he's it's like a psycho it's like we got you because it, he like pretend he, he imagines the way it plays out so where i stopped watching is he imagines the german shepherd eats him but then he wakes up from his daydream and then a semi truck pl- blows over the german shepherd mm-hmm. and it, and like that's the jump scare and it was just like why is like why did that have to be in here at all and he does it twice he does it one time earlier with like a fucking vulture or like a crow or something the bird is like ah like right in his face and he's like oh my god could you imagine if the bird picked my eyes out and he like daydreams it but then the bird gets hit by a car so like he does that a lot there's this really weird scene where like he he's hitchhiking and like some hicks throw a bottle at him and then he's like fuck you and then the hicks chase him with a shotgun into a field and it was like what why (laughs) but like i don't know so it it goes all over the place like between a comedy and like a super serious movie and it doesn't work very well and then between the daydreams that he like uh the psych outs and his narration to himself where he appears i was like this is one of the worst fucking movies i've ever seen so it's worse than Dreamcatcher, i think Okay. Um, yeah, I, all that sounds familiar. Uh, it was only a few years ago that I watched this, but like, I just remember like based on me, like being like, this movie sucks. Like it's just badly made and it's all all those things sound really bad. And, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, it's in the bottom of my list. I still, uh, I think, uh, we've got some listeners also doing some Stephen King viewing and, uh, Mm -hmm. children of the corn came up and I think that movie is just like super bad, uh, as well. And but yeah, Dreamcatcher mm-hmm. is just like I can't believe that movie exists the way that it does, and it's just so yeah, long and just like it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense at all. It, it, unless it started out as like the movie it was for maybe the first half hour, but then it just goes on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, riding the bullet, skip it, which is would have oh. been my advice to you, but yeah, I know, <laughs> but like that's the thing is I don't have any like uh, I don't have a ton of good. Stephen King movies left. There's a couple. You could rewatch some stuff. I'm going to. I'm going to. But I'm at that point now where to really flesh out my list, my ranked list, I need to watch all the shit. So, 
I've been digging a little bit, uh, but no, yeah, this is this is one of the worst. I'd, I'd say all of his that I've seen, riding the bullet, sleepwalkers, and desperation, those are like absolutely the worst. And then Children of the Corn and Dreamcatcher, it's the bottom of the barrel, so, man. So have you have you watched The Stand? No, because uh, I haven't finished the book yet. I read half of it and then I burnt out and I never finished it. Oh. So I was gonna I was gonna wait until I I actually read the book again and then uh mm-hmm. and then watch the uh the stand right mm. i don't know is it good it's okay like yeah i again it's like I, I i've actually never really liked the stand as a story um sure. like I, i've read i've never actually read the book but i've read i've watched the tv movie and i've watched <laughs> or i've read the uh the comic adaptation which i think is like pretty like faithful to the source material and i just yep. like i'm like i'm not into it like i just i don't i'm not yep. into the the actual uh, third act at all. I think oh, there's that's... a lot of, I think there's some really cool stuff to it, but that third yeah. act is just like, what nuclear bomb? Who gives a shit? Like this, it's yeah. just goofball stuff. I don't know. It's, I, I think it's, uh, not really all that appealing, but that's uh Stephen King third acts and stuff. It's, he's, mm-hmm. he's never, he's, he doesn't well, plan. He, right. <laughs> yeah. Well that one, he, he was stuck on that book for a long time and he was just well, walking one day and he was like, I'm just going to blow it up. And, and like that's where he got that idea for the bomb or whatever happened. I don't know. I've never finished it, but I've I've heard that story mm. from him. So cool. personally, because we talk on the phone on weekends. Yeah, Big Steve. Yeah, Big Steve. So yeah. uh, what about you? What you been creeping on, dude? Well, uh, I'll, I'll talk about my theatrical experience uh, after I talk about some more uh, exploitation movies that I checked out. Ooh. I watched a little film called Gator Bait. Uh, starring a uh, former Playboy bunny, Claudia Jennings, uh, in this like independent movie shot down in the swamp uh, by mm-hmm. these like brothers. I can't remember their names off the top of my head. Uh, but this movie is just like I don't know. She's like running around in the bayou, and then there's this like rapey sheriff and like his deputy, or like this this guy in overall. So you know he's dumb. Uh, mm-hmm. They're like going to catch her poaching. And then, like, instead of, like, arresting her, they'll get sexual favors from her. Uh, but yeah. they fuck it up because she's smarter than them. She just, like, throws some snakes that she has in her boat at them. And yeah. this causes them to be like, whoa. But uh, <laughs> one of them inadvertently gets shot in the head as the as the actual uh, deputy starts, like, firing his gun at the snakes. And he shoots the one guy in the head. So he goes yeah. back with his, like, uh, tail between his legs to his, like, sheriff dad. He's like... Oh uh, yeah, uh, that girl in the swamp killed uh, that guy. We have to go get her now. So mm-hmm. they then rustle up another like fellow, uh, like Bayou swamp man and his like mm-hmm. rapist family, and they're going to go nice. hunt her. They're going to go hunt her down, and uh, she lives out in the swamp with her like younger sister and brother. Her brother mm-hmm. is like a mute, and her sister's like you know fifteen years old, going on twenty four. So. There's lots of that sort of thing going on, going into the swamp. Mm-hmm. Lots of great 70s cinematography, uh, taking full advantage of the the swamp, the bayou. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like we're, we're saved from a rape scene in this movie, but we do get a like rather surprising uh, death involving a shotgun. Um, to the and, dick? Uh, no, the other one. To the butt? To the other one. To the boob? To the other one. To the lady part? Correct. Oh, my God. And, like, yeah, it's like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And, uh, yeah, then it, then it turns into a revenge movie. 
And uh, yeah, so it's a like a weird, nasty little movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It's actually like super like Tarantino-ish. Like you know that he watched mm-hmm. the movie and really liked it. Um, mm-hmm. The like Claudia Jennings is like not an actress. She's like isn't really given much to do in this other than just like like I don't know aim her gun at things and right. like deliver like this like Acadian accent. Um, but like all the, like the hillbilly rapists and sheriffs and deputies, they're all just like super mm-hmm. scumbags. And like, you could totally see like nice. Harvey Keitel and like Walt Goggins being cast in these roles and it would be, uh, better than this movie actually is, but mm-hmm. it wasn't bad. It was like, I, I, I'm in the mood for this stuff. So this kind of, uh, scratched that itch continuing right. on with this line. Uh, I watched a little film called, uh, it's like Mason County line. Uh, this movie is, sounds like a country song. It, yes, uh, that's a that's a common theme in these uh, '70s uh, old boy movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a movie that was written and produced by uh, Jethro Clampett um, mm. of the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, he plays this like I don't know racist piece of shit sheriff in this town, mm-hmm. where like a couple of uh, just kids, you know, guys who join the military, they kind of like are up to no good as they're just kind of killing time before they. Uh, actually ship out because as they've enlisted they meet a girl on their way and they're just passing through a town they're having problems with their car they stop by the uh, garage there's kind of this like again another uh, idiot who were wearing uh, overalls Uh, Mm -hmm. that's kind of a theme in these movies if you got overalls you know they're simpletons yeah Uh, which is fine (laughs) yeah yeah I've worn overalls before yeah so you know whatever whatever um, so anyway, so yeah, what happens is it kind of turns into this movie of, uh, people being accused of things that they didn't do because of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's a slow mm-hmm. burn. It o- actually opens up like, uh, like an American graffiti, like, like score over like kind of like on the road type of antics. So like these two guys nice. on the road, but there are like kind of pieces of crap doing stupid things you shouldn't do, mm-hmm. treating people decently. Uh, but they roll into town, and then they run into Jethro, uh, Wayne Bear. Mm-hmm. And uh, that dude's huge. He's like 6'4", and like he's a big, like intimidating man. And he plays the southern shit kicker real well. Um, Did you say Bray Wyatt? Wayne Wayne Bear. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that's that's his actual name, I, I do, if, okay. I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Um so yeah, he like he doesn't like to look at them, even though like right beside them there's like some real actual scumbags who are mm-hmm. like going to do bad things, uh, and they do. They uh, go to uh, his house, the sheriff's house, in the middle of the night, and like do untold mm-hmm. horrors to his wife while he's like out with the, uh, their son. Uh, it's a again a rape scene, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and then when he comes home, this the the car with the kids they happen to have just broken down right by his house and so he assumes they're the ones who did this and he's just it turns into a slasher movie starring the sheriff mm-hmm. chasing down these kids uh it's not too it's not too bad it's got too many like tonal changes for my liking but mm-hmm. uh it's like in like tv mu like 70s tv made for tv kind of like audio cues that tell you exactly how to feel but there's like some real like halloween like mm-hmm. moments in this like yeah just Without giving too much away, where I was like, at times I was just thinking of like uh, uh, when Michael's sister is like in the bedroom before she gets killed in Halloween, and it's like Michael. Mm-hmm. There's like that moment where I'm like, that's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like it's going to be. Mm. 
Anyway, uh, so Mason County Lines, not too bad. Uh, then I yep, followed that yep. up with another movie called Jackson County Jail. Well, that sounds like another country song. It really does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, J- Jackson County Jail uh, is a movie about a kind of like go-getter 70s woman uh, who's an ad exec in Los Angeles. She's mm-hmm. uh, had a rough time uh, pitching advertising to a uh, this giant fat guy who owns a uh, feminine hygiene company doesn't like her uh, feminist <laughs> ways uh, so she goes home yeah. she finds that her husband's having an affair with this like like young woman and she's just, like had enough she decides she's going back to New mm-hmm. York uh, and she, but instead of just flying out she's going to drive across country uh, and, and take and take in mm-hmm. the country and she said oh that's a terrible idea <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> worth seeing so she mm-hmm. hits the road uh, so there's lots of colorful 70s characters in the story um, like mm-hmm. waffle waitresses trying to rip you off uh, Chinese cooks who don't speak English so there's some casual racism um, nice. and then she, she picks up some hitchhikers who turn out to be like Badlands style uh, robbers and maniacs so they mm-hmm. knock her out steal her car leave her like in the middle of the woods in the, this like it's basically just California like she actually never gets to like the Midwest or the South or anything like that she's just mm-hmm. like kind of like in Northern California but uh, she of course like walks into the bar run by a uh, uh, attempted rapist uh, bar owner <laughs> Who's, nice. all, who's like into taxidermy, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so he lunges at her real quick. And then uh, a deputy shows up and he's just like an asshole who's like, oh, you don't got your ID. Well, you can't be doing that. We got to arrest you. You don't got ID. So uh, she gets thrown mm-hmm. in jail and like they're not going to let her go, even though that would be like the same thing to do. She doesn't look like a criminal. There's a whole like paranoia of like the police. Right. Uh, at the same time, she's arrested. Uh she c- comes across a watermelon uh, truck gone, robbery gone wrong, where the mm-hmm. watermelon truck driver has been killed and the culprit, played by Tommy Lee Jones in probably one of his earliest roles, uh, nice. playing like a jacked up Keanu Reeves uh, is the best way I could describe him visually. Cool. Uh, he's, he's in the cell next door. Um, well, mm-hmm. night comes and the, the night shift deputy comes on and, you know, he's got to be a rapist too, because that's the, that's the theme of, uh, mm-hmm. exploitation, I guess. And yeah, we get like a really vile, violent rape scene in this movie. That's like pretty effective, but like, and it, fortunately it's short, uh, and she goes into shock and but she snaps and she takes a stool and bashes in the head of this jail cell man. Um, Tommy Lee Jones, Sounds gnarly, gnarly, yes. And then uh, Tommy Lee Jones uh, takes this opportunity to bust out and he takes the keys off the guy and he takes her mm. with her, saying like, you know, if you stay, the cops are just going to shoot you because you just killed a cop and they don't care. Like, oh yeah, she mm-hmm. raped you, right, right, right. You wanted it, and that's like kind of maybe mm-hmm. not that far off from the truth. So then it turns into sort of like a. Uh, kind of a kidnapping slash on the road kind of uh, uh, outlaw story, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I actually like this movie quite a bit. Yeah, it uh, sounds like you do. I, I do. Yeah, like well, Tommy Lee Jones is awesome yeah. in this movie. He look he looks great. Um, I've never seen him look so like with such, filled with such vitality. Um, we get a nice uh, cameo appearance by uh, Mary Warrenov, who is. Um, 
she's kind of like a B movie favorite. She showed up in a bunch of movies like Paul Bartel and stuff like that. Um, if we Did ever you say get... Paul Blart, Paul Bartel. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're. I was close. They're they're great. Uh, so mm-hmm. she shows up. She looks great in her pants. Uh, and she, but she kind of like she has like a Sarah Connor from Terminator look, uh, Terminator uh-huh. Two. Uh, but yeah, and then the movie kind of just falls into the kind of American nightmare subgenre that like was kicking around in the late 60s, 70s, uh, during the Nixon era, post Nixon era, where you just don't trust law enforcement. Um, but yeah, I thought that movie was hmm. pretty cool. Um, I it love, I, cool. I love 70s cinema and exploitation yep. was like the heyday of that. So mm-hmm. I'll just keep chipping away at this stuff, even though, uh, uh, Halloween month is coming up and, uh, <laughs> Oh girl! Oh man, I got so many, so many movies to tackle in that. I'm, I'm excited for uh-huh. it, but at the same time, like in, even in the last couple of nights, I haven't really found time to like watch a single movie, and it's I just know. like, oh man, what am I, how am I going to do this? I, I got cut out even more of my social life. Yeah, you should because um, what have they ever done for you, anyways? That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so then RJ. I Yo. watched a movie that came out in theater this week that what? has become very controversial um, on the internet, if you're mm-hmm. not aware. Um, I saw a few things. Yeah. Uh, so I saw that movie Mother, the, mm-hmm. directed by Darren Aronofsky. And uh-huh. uh, I don't know. I I didn't, I didn't know this movie was coming out. I think I might have said this when we were talking about it. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw the trailer for it then, and when the trailer popped up, and it said whatever it was September uh, 15th. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? That's out in a week. Yeah. Um, and I'd asked if you wanted to go, but you were too good for it and for me. So uh-huh. uh, I went to well, I'm glad you finally realized. Yes. Go to um, movies by yourself, you nerd. So yeah, this movie's like reputation precedes it at this point. Like mm-hmm. people hate this movie, RJ. They, I saw. They hate it hard. Um, it even got the... Mm-hmm. Uh, prestigious F rating from CinemaScore. Uh, one, one of only 19 movies since 2000 or whatever uh, that has received an F, which is just like uh, universal. What are some other movies that have received Fs? Funny that you ask that. I've actually compiled the list because I'm a sadist and I just have to know these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the thing uh, is I think I'm going to try to watch uh, these movies that I have not seen. because Compare them? I'm a masochist. Yeah, well, so like obviously, if, if Mother is on this list, maybe all these other great movies are actually secret successes. Um, mm-hmm. Let's take a look here, RJ. Um, honestly, most of the com- the common denominator in these movies is that they're all movies that star like fairly like name actresses or actors okay. in them that like mm-hmm. were just movies that were not meant for uh, everybody. Sure. <laughs> but um, one of the, the earliest movie uh, is a little film called Eye of the Beholder, starring Ashley Judd and Ewan McGregor, with Ewan McGregor mm-hmm. playing a serial killer. Uh, mm-hmm. Dr. T and the Women, directed by uh, Robert Altman, nice. starring Richard Gere, uh, Laura Dern's in it. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen this movie on DVD kicking around for many years. Um this movie called Lost Souls, starring Winona mm. Ryder. Uh, the movie Lucky Numbers, starring John Travolta and Lisa Kudrow. Uh, Darkness from 2002, starring Anna Paquin. Uh, mm-hmm. The movie Fear.com. Ah, I've seen that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Solaris uh, from 2002, the remake. The George Clooney one? Yes. 
Yeah, people hated that movie. Because, like, see, this is the thing. I think of, like, these these movies that, like, are not for most people. They're drawn in because, like, oh, George Clooney's in it. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence is in this movie. That's kind of what's happening. There's this uh, one movie, In the Cut, uh, by Jane Campion uh, with Meg Ryan and Mark Ruffalo. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Then there's movies that kind of deserve to be on this, like Alone in the Dark, Uwe Boll's Mm -hmm. uh, video game movie of Christian Slater, which I have Mm -hmm. seen about half of and then we just turned it off because it's just unwatchable right. uh, but then there's movies like Wolf Creek which is like actually like hmm. a pretty good horror movie um, but it's yeah. just it's, it's not for uh, casual interest because it's dark and mean yeah uh, William Friedkin's movie Bug also starring Ashley Judd. So she's a two-timer uh, on this uh, list yeah uh, The Wicker Man a remake with Nick Cage yeah uh, I Know Who Killed Me starring Lindsay Lohan I've seen that one too. Disaster, nice. a disaster movie. Did you happen to see that one? No, I know it's one of those uh, spoofs yes. movies, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Box, directed by uh, Richard Kelly. The man oh, the who- Frank Langella movie. Yeah, with Cameron Diaz. <laughs> the Box. The Box. Uh, Funny. Silent House with Elizabeth Olsen. Mm. Yeah, that movie. Uh, killing yeah. them, killing them softly. With Brad Pitt. Whoa. Yep. That that. Pe- I didn't know that movie was hated on. Audiences did not like that movie. It was. It, that's like one of those like cases too of like Solaris where like, critics liked it, but mm-hmm. then audiences just rejected it. Uh, right. And then uh, uh, just in the last movie that received an F before Mother, which was this year, was The Devil Inside from 2012. Which uh, do you, do you remember that movie? I've heard of it, but it, I haven't. It, seen it's like it. I think it's like the found footage one. With like mm-hmm. the, it's like an exorcism possession thing, and it's the movie like it ends with you can continue the story by going to the website. Like that was the oh. uh, yeah. So people hated that, but uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. and then mother, I mean, okay. Here's a here's a interesting little thing I'll throw out there. So the movie it had a budget yeah. of thirty five million dollars, and Whoa. that yes, that it was that low. Whoa. Uh, Mother has a budget of $30 million. So it only mm-hmm. costs about $5 million less. And I'd say that it definitely, like, you don't see the budget in that movie as much as you mm-hmm. do in it. But you also think that like, this movie's got, like, four huge big-name actors that probably yeah. you have to pay a lot more money to get Jennifer Lawrence, Javier Bardem, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Ed Harris to be in your thing. Um, whereas, like, it has, like, the kid from Stranger Things. <laughs> And a bunch of mm-hmm. and it's like so it's like no names, um, so and mm-hmm. you could put all your money into other stuff, which is kind of nice. Um, yeah. But you know, then you get times where you get a huge, a massive return on it, and then you get not a return on a movie like Mother. So, mm-hmm. all that being said, uh, when I went into Mother, I had already started seeing that like uh, people were hating this movie real bad, mm-hmm. and I was like, that made me want to go see it more and more. Um, right. And I went to it. Uh, Chanel and I checked it out. Uh, the theater experience, we were sitting there and I was like watching these people kind of come in. It was way busier than I was expecting it to be. Uh, no Silver mm-hmm. Fox, which was actually the main reason I uh, had to rush to go see it on Saturday. Yeah. I had to know and he didn't show. I know. Maybe well, he... it's because I wasn't there. Exactly. You're, you're, yeah. you're key to that happening. Um, so all these people that you I've never seen at a movie before that, I, that we've gone to mm-hmm. were showing up and I was like, these people look, look, look like housekeepers at like 
at a hotel. What are, what are they? Can you explain what that means? I'll let, I'll leave it to I'll leave it to people's imaginations. And I'm like, my what God, the, what the fuck are they doing at this movie? Like, do they mm-hmm. know what this is? Like, I don't think they do. Maybe they just like Hunger Games, and they're going to expect it's going to be like that. <laughs> yeah. Th- this movie is not like those things. Um, what, what what do you what are your thoughts on Darren Aronofsky? I know you're a big uh, Fountain fan. Uh, oh fuck yeah, I but, love the Fountain. But how how do you feel about like uh, no one cares about Noah, but like uh, Black Swan or uh, uh, I've liked everything I've seen of his. I've liked. I, there's nothing I I don't like. Um, but you're saying yeah, I I love the Fountain. I think that movie is uh, super underappreciated. I think one I remember actually I saw it in high school with uh, my buddy Hammy, and we told other people to go see it because we liked it so much. And then uh, people didn't talk to me for like a, a week or two at uh, school because they're like that movie was horseshit. They're like, why would you tell us to go to it? Hmm. So, I, I mean, Darren Aronofsky is not uh, he's not new to this hate game. Because if he was tapped into the Southern Alberta high school scene when the fountain came out, he was getting some heat from kids. Yeah. No, I like I like Darren Aronofsky, man. Like I really like the fountain uh, Requiem, obviously. Black Swan is good. Uh, The Wrestler's good. I heard those were supposed to be one movie once. That's pretty wild. Um, Pie was him, right? Yep. Yeah, Pie's all right. I don't, I don't like I don't have the cult following for that that uh, or I the cult love for that that other people seem to yeah I that's fair I mean it's been a really long time since I've seen Pi um, but I remember at the time it was edgy it was like yeah. kind of cool but I don't know yeah. how well that movie would hold up I think the sound design in it's really good um, mm-hmm. which hey Mother has also really uh, exquisite sound design and yeah. should probably be watched in theater if at all possible. Mm. Um, so I, I'm giving it a recommendation. Um, okay. I don't really want to get into it too much because I think it's honestly a movie that's best seen with as little information as possible. Um, okay. but like, so give me like a, cause you saw the trailer with me. What did you get from the right. trailer? Like, did you, I, okay. Yeah. Like, what, what's your, uh, what's your feeling watching that trailer? Cause I've read like other people who are like really mad about how they were marketed to with this movie. And I'm like, I don't get it. So I'm just curious what you thought. I thought it looked like uh, it seems like there's this new hip swing to be like toward these cult films. I thought it reminded me of Get Out in the trailer, to be honest. Hmm. But it was like not not like in the same sense, but it seemed like that. It seemed like some weird cult that they're all like having these maybe orgies or maybe just Michelle Pfeiffer's getting down and they're trying to like re give rebirth to Javier Bardem or something. And somehow Jennifer Lawrence is like the vehicle for that. But she's like the unknowing vehicle because that's usually how it goes. Uh, watch a Ty West movie or something like that. You'll see, you'll see, uh, all the, the trope cult, uh, uh, gimmicks. Um, I don't know. That's, that was my impression just from that short trailer. I was like, huh. I was like, it looks like a cult movie. Um, Something like that. Okay. Uh, there, there was a couple things. Like, I thought I had a couple cool visuals. Like, when that light bulb fills with blood, I was like, ooh, mm. that's cool. But then at the same time, I was like, there's that room that goes into decay in the trailer. And I was like, oh, 
Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, you can just tell me. Am, am I uh, am I bang on, or is that uh, totally not the? Com- yeah, completely, completely toss out any expectations you have going into this movie. <laughs> like, because oh. it's like nothing like that at all. Uh, so, so, did you get that impression from no, the trailer too, no, or am I way off on I, this? I what I got out of seeing the trailer was oh. This movie looks like it's going for that art house kind of vibe. Like you don't like yeah. I I felt it was like kind of ambiguous. It felt like a movie that there wasn't going to be really hard answers. It didn't feel concrete in the least. Like I don't know. That's how like if because I, I was also really uh, overwhelmed by the fact that it was shot on sixteen millimeter based on the graininess, which I was like, mm. oh wow, I'm like he's still shooting on that sixteen mil, huh? And then. Um, that, that I was like noticed that and then there's all these like kind of weird like visuals and I was like oh this is that type of movie's edited in a way that's like what's going on like what's mm-hmm. happening what's the story really about so I kind of went in thinking like this movie's going to have an elliptical style and you're not really going to know what's going on which I think is a lot more accurate uh, sure <laughs> because uh, you're you are locked in to uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character's perspective you are mm-hmm. like you that's all you are going to be doing for uh 2 hours is like hanging out with her and looking at her yeah. and uh you're like that's all the information you're going to be given and uh mm. it's it uh Chanel told me that uh I guess like th- there's several parts throughout the movie where she was just like crying in response to like the, the things on display to the movie um, Whoa! Yeah, she, like yeah, she she liked it quite a bit. Um, hey, you haven't said. Do you like this movie? All you said was you recommended. Yeah, yes. But did oh, you I do. like? Yeah, yeah. I, I I I'm pretty sure I do. Like I um, take a stance, man. No, I do. Like I okay. I, I I I'm I, I am for this movie. I, You're uh, still I, thinking about it, hey? Yes. Like I. That's uh, a good sign. I, I took a whole, I took a whole day to like commit mm-hmm. to a star rating, um, and because I was just thinking about this movie, I was like, hmm. What do I think? Like, how do you even talk about this movie? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's weird because it's like there's always the thing with these types of movies where, like, if it was a different director, would you have a different opinion? Would you just would I dismiss mm-hmm. it quickly? And I always like have that thing. Like, if this was uh, old Nicholas Winding Refn, like if it, mm-hmm. if he made the same movie, would I like be supportive of it? But, but he would have made a different movie. He would have made Neon Demon, and I'm like that movie is just like endless to me. Um, but this movie, I found like. There was some really good, like the performances are good, and there's like mm-hmm. this. Uh, I don't know. There's a the, there's sort of the. I think I describe it. I think on my letterbox review, just talking about how uh, I, I'm a big sucker for cruelty, cruelty in like character interactions that you usually find in like theatrical movies like uh, mm. uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf uh, Roman Polanski's uh, one play that he adapted uh, Carnage, where like characters are, like are realistic and mm-hmm. they. Just like you're just like, fuck, these people are horrible human beings. And like, why are they so mean? Why are they always saying the worst things? And I love that stuff. Like, it's really good here. Um, And I'd say that like even like the, I don't know, calling this movie a horror movie is like kind of like weird marketing terminology Mm because it isn't that way. But at the same time, I think this movie is a lot more affecting than most horror movies are. Um, Like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like the weird stuff, like the the light bulb thing you mentioned. That's just like a little like moment in this movie. That's like uh, an effect that kind of happens, mm-hmm. and it's like it makes sense of the moment. But there's like things that are going on that are like far bigger, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like I don't know. I, I have like a 
pretty hard, kind of a good sense of what this movie was about. But then I talk to other people and I read other people's things and I'm like, where the hell are they getting that from? It's very reminiscent actually of Twin Peaks, uh, <laughs> The Return. And like when yeah. I read other people's views of that and like what they're thinking about when they watch it, I'm like, huh, they got that out of this, did they? And so I don't know. Well, it, I think that's like, that's always kind of annoying anyways, because there's always stuff like that where I saw a bunch of articles pop up for mother. It's like, what does it mean? Like, did you understand the ending? But then also like, I remember when fucking King Kong skull Island came out and it's like King Kong's, uh, and skull islands ending explained. It's like, why does that need to be explained to fucking people? <laughs> so I didn't, I couldn't tell if it was like, if this movie actually raises some questions or if it's just, Oh no, because anytime the, a movie comes out, they have to write an article about what the ending means because it's like, it can't just be a fucking ending. No, there, there is definitely, uh, some there, ambiguity. It, it is inconclusive. Like there's like, yeah. There's a lot of information uh, that's yeah. left hanging, and you're just kind of like, you're you're, there, you're going to have to figure it out. And I yeah. think that that is the opposite of what people want in their movies. Yeah, I I did see that uh, your buddy Darren uh, had an interview, and he explained what it's supposed to mean. Which actually, uh, I read after I watched the movie, and like yeah. I like, uh, and he's like, I don't know. When I read that, I went, yeah, totally. Like that was like actually on my mind. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't. I think people should watch the movie and then maybe seek out what what was what was Darren Aronofsky thinking about when Thank he you. made this. And I think it's like, oh, interesting, because like it's subtle, like it's like completely like in yeah the ba- in the background of it. But I was just thinking about it. And I'm like, man, this movie really is about like today in some weird way, but it's like absolutely not either. Um, okay. It's a bit more ambitious in some ways than that. Uh, but clearly, hmm. uh, the, the 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 marketing the marketing or I guess has somehow failed this movie. I did like I did see that uh, Paramount is standing behind the movie. Yeah, that was nice. They mm-hmm. were I, I liked it. They were like Netflix does this shit all the time. Why mm-hmm. can't we? <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, but now it's like I think it's curious that like there's now people who are hearing about it are going to be like mm-hmm. I'm going to go see it. And it seemed like a lot of people waited till Tuesday on yeah. cheap, cheap night to go see it because it seemed like the uh, the mm-hmm. coals were reignited, and uh, mm-hmm. it seems like people are trying to like go after this movie on like feminist grounds oh <laughs> and no it's, it's like just like i don't know i don't know what people yeah. are projecting into this thing but yeah uh well, I, I, I don't okay. know i'll read you a couple select uh reviews that i came across from uh tribute.ca um yeah. which is a uh website that people can go to to check out showtimes for movies but they also allow uh users to rate movies this hmm. movie has a fairly low rating but here's some highlights um the worst movie I've ever seen. I kept waiting for the plot to reveal itself all through the movie, but it never did. Some people actually got up during the movie and left. Don't waste your money. I, yeah. quote unquote, got the movie. It was a left-wing progressive's wet dream of a propagandizing movie hell bent on shaming everyone there for, quote unquote, raping Mother Earth and destroying the, quote unquote, house she has provided for us, complete with faux war scenes, overpopulation in the, quote unquote, house, and everyone running rampant over Mother, the killing, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like... Wait, is this an environmental movie? I, I I don't think so, but people say so here's a good one though i walked out on this embarrassing disaster disaster after 20 minutes and got my money back if you leave before you sat through a half hour of an awful movie you can ask the theater for your money back remember that and do it jennifer lawrence is an overrated 
and not that good looking. She was dropped into yeah. America's lap by Hollywood several years ago, and we were all told she was the next big thing and how incredibly sexy she was. I never bought into any of the manufactured hype around her, and no, she didn't deserve that Oscar. The Academy Awards is a leftist circle jerk that hands out baubles to actors that are the correct political views. This movie was terrible. Do not see it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so okay. that has a lot to do with the movie. Okay. Uh, and here's one actually off Letterboxd. Um, by, this one's very well liked on Letterboxd from uh, Katie. Fuck this fucking disgusting piece of shit. This technical masterpiece and its gross third act can go kill itself. I have never been oh. so fucking angry at a fucking movie in my entire life. I genuinely cannot rate this. I love the first two acts so, so much, but the last 30 minutes made me sob out of pure anger and devastation. Being a female and watching this excuse for quote-unquote feminism, or whatever this was trying to be, was absolutely fucking horrific and made breathing impossible for a good couple <laughs> minutes, possibly the worst ending of all time. Fuck mother, and how much I loved everything about it except the finale. <laughs> Mm, she's never seen right in the bullet no <laughs> clearly i feel like she would have some uh she wouldn't be so so heavy against this movie if she's seen some real shit mm-hmm. yeah um well so, geez well hell yeah so not a fan mm-hmm. uh other than that hey so people go check out mother when you get the chance i'll try to see it in theater since you uh you recommend it. Uh, yeah, I mean, go in think like thinking like, okay, I'm just gonna let this movie wash over me because uh, it is, it's art house horror cinema, and uh, that's like the closest thing I could describe it as. Mm. Neat. Neat. Uh, that sounds hey, cool. So, Yo. hey RJ, Yo. Got, got any news? Uh, it's Stephen King's birthday tomorrow. Oh really? That old bastard turned seventy. No kidding. So uh, that's it. I there's no news. Harry Dean from, Stanton um, died. I thought we wasn't that last week. No, that was on Friday. I thought we talked about that already. You mean Star of the Avengers movies? Yes. That's a joke I stole from another podcast. I won't yeah. say that again. Wow. But uh, yeah, that's sad that he died. But he was old, so whatever. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was old. Ninety-one. Couldn't believe it took this long. Uh, smoking like a chimney. I'm not even sure if that has a cause of anything, but yeah. I think it was just being old that killed him. Yeah, old dude. Mm. Uh, yeah, so Harry Dean's died. Uh, Criterion announced their next, their December uh, releases. Pretty, oh, yeah, yeah. Pretty weak, I'd say. Yeah, I, I actually looked at those and I was quite surprised by one of the picks. I was like, really? Or, or was that uh, Alexander Payne's election? Yeah, I mean, I've seen that. I I saw it like I don't know, fucking ten years ago, maybe, and I was like, yeah, that's good. But I've never thought of it ever since I've seen it. So yeah, I don't know. Is that like a, a hip movie with kids now, or why uh, is that? No, it's not. It's not a hip movie with kids. It's like it's like a hip movie with like probably dudes that are really into Criterion that like yeah. maybe aren't us. Um, but I've seen some people like I don't know. The one thing I noticed was people like really hated the cover for this, even though it's like mm. pretty apropos cover for uh this movie um about, do you mean like, appropriate mm-hmm. no i mm-hmm. meant apropos rj sure sure um, you did. and wheelhouses mm-hmm. uh so uh, yeah I, I, I it's been a while since i watched election i never thought this movie was like super awesome by any mm-hmm. means i liked alexander payne's other movies a bit more like being uh, about schmidt or uh sideways i thought they're mm-hmm. 
a little bit better. The election's fine. Matthew Broderick. There's the the the, the doggy style sex scene floating head thing. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, so that movie got announced, and uh, another up, uh, Blu-ray upgrade for Monterey Pop is coming. Yeah, why? I don't know. Maybe they've uh, restored it even better than ever. Huh, um, weird. And then uh, uh, the documentary General Idiomandata, a self-portrait, is getting a Blu-ray release. Uh, I, I've, I've got the old uh, DVD of that. It's a Barbet Schroeder documentary. It's a good time if you're like into like uh, African dictators that like murder people. And when asked about the a Jews, good time, hey? he, he goes, <laughs> "Why are you asking me about Jews?" Uh, it's, so it's like a documentary about a fairly evil, stupid man. <laughs> I, uh, I hope they quote you on the cover art, and it'll be Jared Duncan, Criterion Creeps. It's a good time. I I got that. That would be amazing. Why, mm-hmm. why are you saying that? Like, I wouldn't want that. It'd be great. Yeah. A good time for all. A good time. Uh, and then officially, they, they uh, I guess, uh, have now Spine Number 900, the gigantic Century of Olympic films oh, uh, box set. Um, yeah. We'll be long dead before the, <laughs> we would ever get to that. Yeah. So Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I don't know. That's it, I guess. I don't know. That's my yeah, new, It's my news. That's all we need. Uh, hey, we have two fucking movies to talk about tonight. That's true. And Bobby Heenan died. Bobby the Brain Heenan. The, oh, yeah. Le, le, like, one legit, of your idols. Le, legit. One of the, the greatest wrestling personas uh, who's ever worked in the industry. He's he's really mm-hmm. funny. Um, I don't even know who that is. Ah, uh, you'd recognize him. You know, yeah. you know that guy. Anyway, he, okay. his last 15 years were not awesome because like he kind of had the uh, throat cancer surgeries that like Roger uh-huh. Ebert had. So he was kind of like a skull on a spine kind of yeah. horror show. And like because of chemo, his bones were really brittle. So if he fell, he'd break his bones. It was like not mm-hmm. good. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's probably a relief for him and his family yeah. and whatnot. But his, uh, it's nice to see like... People like to talk about how great he was because he was really good. You can't really actually overstate how uh, good he was and how talented and mm-hmm. actually funny. Not like cringy, bad, funny that people sometimes mm-hmm. say is great, like Jerry Lewis. Um, he oh, actually yeah. was like really great. Mm-hmm. Anyways, hey, we got some movies to talk about. Woo! And we've only Woo. been talking for like an hour or something. So that's, that's only. Cool. Only. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up next, uh, we're going to check out. This left bank film movement that was like a subsect of the French New Wave. Mm. It's going to be great. Side of your reflection, you can't decide if 
you should cry or if it's time to Vous avez eu un jeune amoureux. Bob, c'est un pianiste. Bob, c'est un artiste. Vous avez près de vous une veuve qui vous tient compagnie. Angèle, c'est la suivante. Consolante. Confidente. Complaisante. Madame, c'est monsieur. José, c'est l'amant. Tu as trop d'imagination. Et si j'étais malade vraiment Vous êtes malade Oui. Cléo, de 5 à 7, ou plus exactement de 5 heures à 6 heures et demie, c'est un portrait de femme, entre l'enquête et la quête de soi-même, entre la coquetterie et l'angoisse, entre l'apparence et la nudité. Dorothée est modèle, elle est fidèle. La peur me reprend, c'est comme une migraine. Vous allez rencontrer un jeune homme. Antoine Un bavard, un bonimenteur. J'attends le résultat d'un examen. Ah, vous êtes étudiante Non, non, un examen médical, une analyse. Et vous êtes inquiète Très, oui. De quoi avez-vous peur And we're back. And tonight we're talking about two films from uh, director Agnes Varda. Uh, first movie up, number 73 in the Criterion Collection, Cleo from 5 to 7 from 1962. Uh, here's the letterbox description. For whatever reason, this movie doesn't have a catchy tagline. Um, mm. Agnes Varda eloquently captures Paris in the 60s with this real-time portrait of a singer set adrift in the city as she awaits test results from a biopsy. A chronicle of the minutes of one woman's life. Cleo from 5 to 7 is a spirited mix of vivid verite and melodrama, featuring a score by Michel Legrand and cameos by Jean-Luc Godard and Anna Karina. So, a uh, little background about Agnes Varda. Uh, mm-hmm. she was, she's still kicking. She was born what? May 30th, 1928. Uh, mm-hmm. She is a film director, born in Belgium, but spent most of her life working in France. Uh, her films, photographs, and art installations focus on documentary realism, feminist issues, and social commentary with a distinct experimental style. Film historians have cited Varda's work as central to the development of the French New Wave film movement. Her uses of location shooting and non-professional actors were unconventional in the context of 1950s French cinema. 
Because of her literary influences and because her work predates the French New Wave, Varda's films uh, belong more precisely to the Rive Gauche left bank cinema movement, along with Chris Marker, Alain René, uh, Marguerite Duras, Alain Robe-Guerret, and some so-and-so. The group was strongly tied to the Nouveau Roman movement in literature and politically was positioned to the left. Uh, its members would often collaborate with each other. Um, so, anyway, Cleo from 5 to 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually just watched this movie, like, December of last year. Uh, oh. I, I don't remember why I specifically wanted to watch this movie. I think it was, like, I looked at some stills of it, and I read, like, kind of a description of it, and I think I wanted to, like, watch some more new wave stuff. Maybe it was after we had uh, done 400 Blows, like, a few mm-hmm. months earlier. I was like, hey, I want to watch some more of this stuff. Um, and, like, Agnes Varda was, like, somebody that, like, I hadn't seen any of her movies and mm-hmm. so I just thought, hey, it's a Criterion. I'm going to interlibrary loan this. And I watched it. And I honestly think I might have only watched like the first half of it because watching this uh, for the second time, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this first half. But then like once mm-hmm. she leaves her uh, studio and like starts wandering around the city, I didn't like remember anything. Like, I was just like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, did I actually, I don't think I finished watching this movie. Um, or like, I just like, did something else while the movie played. Um, So anyway, uh, this was a rewatch for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this movie. Um, I don't know. (laughs) That's a, that's a great review, Jarrett. I don't know. I I don't know. Do you like it at all? Or is it bad? Or was it fun? Was it? It's fine. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think what my thoughts on this movie. Uh, I think you messaged me, mad at me that I watched these movies out of order. Because I, yeah, I, watched, I watched Vagabond first. And I was like, well, I'm like, well, I've already seen Cleo from five to seven months ago. So I, I broke the order long, long ago. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. You're a fraud. I'm a fraud. You want me to talk for a while? Go, go, so you go can for it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll respond to you if you want to go talk about this movie, uh, your, your thoughts. Yeah. So these are were both firsts for me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, I don't, I would never say that I am well versed in the this new wave French cinema or whatever you call this stuff. Because um, is that what people call this stuff? This and the Godards and the Breathless and, and, and all, the, all and those. The, and the Truffaut and the Jazz. Yep. Go yeah. back and listen to the 400 Blows for a history yeah. of the French New Wave. There you go. So, yeah, I'm not – I haven't seen a ton of this stuff. So it's kind of new – somewhat new to me. But I also don't have a, a huge appreciation for it either. Uh, so Cleo from 5 to 7, when it started, I was like, oh, Yeah. This is super cool. Uh, I really like the tarot mm-hmm. card opening where you don't see anyone for like five minutes. It's just tarot cards and people talking. I was like, nice. I love this. And then uh, it cuts to the people and it's black and white where the tarots were in color. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then she leaves the uh, psychic's place and there's this kind of loop where it like it, it cuts. It's like filming her going down the stairs and then it like stops and then picks up again. So it's not a consistent like go like stream that you watch it kind of like cuts back a couple times i was like is this what new wave means i don't know um like these weird techniques oh, and I thought, yeah there's like that one specific spot like when she's going down the yeah. steps and it and it kind of goes plays it, back it, like, and forth and it's, and it's synced to the music times. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. And I was like, all right. I was like, I'm into this movie. Yeah. And then I watched it more. And then I was kind of just like, I'm bored of this movie. Uh, <laughs> not. And so it's I, I kind of understand what you mean uh, where you're you don't really know where you sit because there are certain aspects of this movie that I thought were really good. Um, and I actually like I like the idea for the story and I, I think the execution is pretty good. But at the same time, there was I never I was never super invested in it. And I was never like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is this movie fucking rules. I was kind of except at the like the start. I thought I thought it really got me. And then the more it kind of went on, I was like, nah, I don't care that much. Um, I don't know. Uh, there there was a lot of things I like. Uh, there's that, there's an awesome scene where there's about 80 kitties, just like kittens, just climbing around and playing. Oh, and it's so, many so kitties. it is too sweet. Uh, so that, that's awesome. Um, but then there's also a lot of weird stuff that like, I don't really, I don't understand the meaning of it. And it's like, I could have just missed it. I, I mean, I've said many times before, I don't, I would never pretend like I totally understand all the stuff we see. But like I don't really get it. Like there's that time where she crosses the the like geek show out in the street. There's like the guy eating frogs and oh, the guy yeah. like putting the barb through his bicep. And like it's kind of a, a long scene. Like I don't feel like it was just in there to have in there. Like I feel like it means something, but like I don't know what that <laughs> means. Like because there's a scene of a guy eating frogs for like yeah. a minute. And yeah. I was like, why? I was like, why is this the focus now? Like, what does this have to do with this lady who's like dealing with cancer? Is eating frogs cancer? Maybe I don't know. RJ, it's ver- <laughs> it's verite. Yeah. Well, the so that was another thing. There's that like little vignette where it's like uh, the movie goes to a silent film for a couple minutes, but it's because oh, they're watching yeah. it through that, something I, else. I hated that. that yeah. That, so like that that's, sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like that that like, that that like that's oh that's like complete crap that's like the yeah. worst like reenactment of a, making a silent film i've seen in like something mm-hmm. in a while i thought like that that was like embarrassingly bad and i was like because eh. I, I like hey okay being being like having gone through art school and like being uh-huh. being around video art for uh years like i i've seen I've, I've done my share and i've seen my share of like faux silent film stuff mm-hmm. and it's uh it's cringy it it, it always makes me like yeah. Go, nope doesn't look right at all you're, you're the camera mm-hmm. angles wrong the, the lenses are wrong the the frame rates wrong and uh seeing this is just like what this doesn't need to exist why did she do this yeah. oh <laughs> i didn't even realize it was happening until it was already a, like a minute in yeah. because i was watching i just i guess i wasn't paying attention and then like a little bit in i was like wait a minute is this supposed to be a silent film? What the fuck's going on here? And then it plays out for like five minutes and you're like, I was like, Hey, so like, that's what I mean. Like there was that little, that little nugget. And then there's like the geek show. And then there's the fruity number where the, uh, the two like songwriters for her come. And he's like, do you have a white coat around? And it's like an actual lab coat. Yes. It's like, why would they have that on a hook at the entrance of their door? (laughs) Why? Uh, but then they like, they're, they like play up this like doctor scene and like I guess it's supposed to be endearing but it's mm, not yeah and then there's like the the song where like she actually like does her singing and that's fine too but it's like I don't know it's it's hard to uh it's hard to relate to her because I mean, I'm gonna talk about this in vagabond too I don't identify with the characters in this lady's movies mm. because like for Cleo five to seven she was like 
like her problem was that she didn't want to be famous, I guess, or like like she was upset that she was sick, but then everyone's like, oh, she just wants attention, like always. <laughs> so it it seemed like like that's kind of just how she was. It was like she's actually dealing with the sickness, but everyone's so used to her like kind of crying out for stuff, and like I don't know, I don't relate to that. Like where it's well, these you, people that are in like really good circumstances, but it's like my life's tough. Yes, well, there's know. like that's uh, the way it came off for me. Well, so yeah, with with, with this movie, like yeah, like it's kind of like I don't think you're supposed to relate to either, like either character yeah. in either movie to a certain degree. It's like expected you're not going to. With yeah. Cleopatra Seven, is like there's like her like palatial like studio space where she's got like mm-hmm. everything's fluffy and she's got mm-hmm. kittens running around and like this like like it's just like emptiness and like oh here's my mirror and here's my big fluffy yeah. bed that men come and bed me on and I oh uh-huh. here's, here's my exercise equipment where I will just like hold myself up with my arms for like 30 seconds and like that's my workout and be like and like while getting her like fur coat thing on and she's just this like arms up and she's like oh geez that's so i'm sore my tummy's sore and you're like what did you yeah. what did you do and it's like kind of hilarious just, that like it's like yeah. yeah that's not a workout even in like the 60s i'm sorry <laughs> like it's so she's like this like little princess kind of character yeah. and like really hard done yeah, by yeah. and now she's actually being confronted with like a real thing that like grounds everybody it's like oh you mm-hmm. contracted cancer and uh in 1962 that was probably even more frightening because mm-hmm. uh treatment was like way rougher uh than it is mm-hmm. now and it still sucks mm-hmm. um so just like that that's like sort of like the yeah no idea. that makes sense that makes um, sense there's like the motif of like uh like the ticking of a clocks and stuff like that yep uh yep. like the, the movies like obviously there's like it takes place uh, diegetically. It takes place over the course of the yeah. time that the movie is from five to seven and everything's kind of broken mm-hmm. up into chapters, uh, which is like a really interesting thing that like comes yeah. about in like the, the early like French wave stuff. Like uh, Godard mm-hmm. uses chapters a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And like just to break down movies and sort of like into this uh, essay kind of form. It's a f- interesting thing that I kind of like in movies. Uh, Wes Anderson yep. still uses it. Uh, mm-hmm. It kind of, um, Lars von Trier does it too in like Nymphomaniac and a bunch of other stuff. It's like this like didactic kind of way of uh, compartmentalizing scenes and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's here as well. But right. yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, no, see, that's what I mean. There's certain aspects that I, I liked a lot. Like when it's broken up in the chapters and you, ha- you get like the te- uh, the title card or like mm-hmm. the, the little text over showing you where the te- chapters break. And then like the intro I thought was really good. Like it's got really cool aspects, but as a whole, there's nothing that would bring me back to it. Yeah. I'll never watch it. Uh, and also driving in France looks really scary. Oh God. People, well, people walking in Paris yeah. is just like, people are just like walking out and you're like, Oh, is, is this car going to mm-hmm. stop for me? I don't know. Oh, and that one's not going to, but I mean like, that's actually yep. like, that's like the, like a lot of the world is like that. You kind of take your yep. life into your own hands. Cause, uh, it's not like, uh, in our neck of the woods where yep. it's so heavily policed and like, re- oh, it's yeah. like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was a pedestrian in China, man, mm-hmm. and there are there's no such thing as pedestrians over there. No. Is what I learned really quick. You got to watch what you're doing, man. Yeah, and you couldn't be doing this shit where you're just kind of like do do do, just kind of like walking out in front of cars, being like, "Hey, why don't you stop for me?" Mm-hmm. Those motherfuckers will blow you down. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, RJ, uh, if if uh, you've been diagnosed with cancer lately or like getting your results 
but you're like, oh, maybe sure. I have cancer. I'm going to go buy a hat. <laughs> um, I kind of, well, I kind of get that, I guess. Cause it's like, <laughs> I think you could go either two ways. You would that, either be like, but it's about the character though, too. Yeah. Like, this is like her, like, cause she turns on the dime where she's like, oh God, I'm so sad. Oh, I'm, I know. Let's go get clothes. And then yeah, she's like no, happy doing that. It's an escape thing. Yeah, it's either you would be completely devastated and you'd be a ball in your room or you would like fall onto these crutches that would like to escape from it, like going shopping or doing a podcast that no one listens to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess the one thing I picked up on maybe more so watching it the second time was the the mirror uh, motif of the movie Mm -hmm. because there's like a lot of her looking in the mirror and like looking at mirrors, like for the first half of the movie, like I, read, like, I didn't notice. Oh, it's like, it's like a lot, like almost like watching. Yeah. I was like, man, how did I not like remember this? Cause it's like mm-hmm. pretty constant, which is like kind of like the whole vanity thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like that aspect of like sort of being a performer, uh, or perhaps being a woman in the, the, the spotlight of the world where you're on the focus. And, uh, so there's like that sort of aspect of like keeping up appearances and, and like when you're in, and, and the appearances of being healthy and the appearances of beauty, blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah. And kitties. Uh, one thing that I thought of watching this movie too was, uh, her like wandering through the streets, uh, in the second half of the movie it reminded me a lot of carnival of souls. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess. Yeah. I see that. And just cause it's just like this like blonde protagonist wandering around and like particularly mm-hmm. the scenes where, uh, she's like invisible to people and or, or like she's like just kind of out of time and there's those scenes too like where the camera's like sort of mounted atop of buildings or across streets and you're just watching her walking and walking and walking and you're kind of actually getting like people just reacting to this woman walking down the street and like mm-hmm. people are just like looking at her there's like a couple of shots too of like just like leering men in like enclaves like and like they're wearing like the like butler outfits and they're just like all standing there watching her as she like walks mm-hmm. and they're just like they keep following her and you're like are those actors or did they just shoot this and they're just there? I hope they're just act- I hope they're actors. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh I think she uh the lead in this looks a lot better without the like hair I piece. agree. I yeah. thought the same thing. Yeah, cuz yeah. it, it looked it looked odd, especially when she put on her like fur black hat. Um mm-hmm. she, she she looked a lot more real uh with her just like regular old hair. Just her natural her, hair. Her, her, her locks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I thought the same thing, Jer. I was like, she looks better just with her normal hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's about all I have to say about it at the moment. Uh, well, I'll save who hates uh, after we talk about Vagabond, I guess. Sure. You want you want to roll into that bad boy? Sure. Let's tackle that Vagabond. Je suis sentimentale, moi. J'arrive pas à oublier cette fille dans les bras du type avec sa chaîne. 
J'ai des plans, je vais te mettre sur les coups. J'ai pris en stop une routarde, une vagabonde, quoi. Tu n'as pas idée comme elle tuait. Quand elle est montée dans la voiture, ça m'a suffoqué. J'en suis malade. Moi, c'est Simone, mais on dit Mona. So, Vagabond, same director, Agnes. <gasps> 1985, so we're jumping like a good like 23 years ahead, uh, right into the 80s, which seemed to be like yeah, a real uh, kind of like a heyday for French cinema. Uh, at least like those movies like getting re-exposure again. Um, mm -hmm. There's this, watching this movie reminded me that there's the one uh, uh, P.T. Anderson movie I had to watch still, Betty Blue, which is like kind of oh, like the yeah, yeah, which is like the same era and stuff like that. Yeah, that movie um, rules. Yeah, so Vagabond. Here's our synopsis here from Letterboxd. Mona Bergeron is dead, her frozen body found in a ditch in the French countryside. From this, mm -hmm. the film flashes back to the weeks leading up to her death. Through these flashbacks, Mona gradually declines as she travels from place to place, taking odd jobs and staying with whomever will offer her a place to sleep. Mona is fiercely independent, craving freedom over comfort, but it is this desire to be free that will eventually lead to her demise. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a first time view for me uh, this movie's reputation preceded it I had heard like uh, this movie's like appeared on lots of like best of lists uh, sure it's like it's talked about quite a bit like usually there's like always like a big drop of like best of movies when it's like best movies of the 20th century there's a way mm -hmm. less movies in the 80s uh, unless it's like your like Steven Spielberg kind of lists <laughs> where like it's like mm -hmm. The greatest era of all time was Back to the Future, <laughs> and like it's like oh come on, um, Vagabond's usually Star not Wars. on those particular lists. Yeah, Star Wars, like that, like the the summer blockbuster era was the greatest era of all time. Uh, and then there's movies like Vagabond that kind of slip in there too, Once in a Blue Moon. So I didn't really know anything about this movie, but uh, this movie opens up, and I don't know. I started piecing it together pretty quick what I was in store for. <laughs> um, the yeah. so the music and like opening shot of this movie, all I was thinking about was, man, this is like there will be blood, <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's got this bombastic score, nothing's happening, and it's just like this like anonymous countryside, and like uh, I was like watching it, and I'm like, oh, somebody's like kind of tending to a field, and I was like, oh, this is like yeah. uh, like that painting, the Gleaners, which was funny because Agnes uh, also Varda also directed a movie called The Gleaners and I, <laughs> hmm. which was like, oh. That's weird. Um, so anyway, this movie just like starts off this like slow roll of like just like menacing, uh, not op not quite operatic, mm -hmm. but atmospheric music. And then, oh, there's a dead body in a ditch. 
And that's got to be like one of the most convincing stiffs I've seen in a movie. I think there's one bit where you can clearly see her like inhale, like the the Mm -hmm. actress on the ground. But for the most part, it's like when they're like lifting her frozen body out of that ditch into a body bag, it's like, oh, that's a... she looks pretty frozen. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's weird. Um, and so, yeah, you get this, like, I don't know, uh, that callous sort of uh, view of, like, uh, like basically what a vagabond's body would be like. It's like, oh, yeah, she's dead. Huh? Looks like she got here on her own. Uh, there's nothing, nothing wrong here. She wasn't raped. She wasn't murdered. She's just dead. Throw her in mm-hmm. a sack and go, we'll go cremate that and dump her out in the potter's field. In the river. So, and then it's like, and then we get the, uh, the framing device where we have this sort of mm-hmm. like this faceless narrator who's like describing the sort of like this following film is like a documentary kind of following the events that lead to her death. Um, yeah. my neck, my, within about like 10 minutes of this, I was like, oh, so, uh, when does the rape happen in this movie? Cause it's just like, that's the sort yeah. of, that's the sort of grimy eighties deal that we're in store for. Um, mm-hmm. maybe it's just like years of like watch, like movie, watching like Gus Van Sant movies, uh, from the same era. <laughs> like, it's just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this is, this is going to be a, a grim affair. Yeah. Um, then I started thinking about how, oh, you know, if they remade this movie now, it would probably star Selena Gomez or something like that. Oh, God. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. This, this Darren Aronofsky would direct it. No, he wouldn't direct have a movie. Watch it there. Um, right. So uh, I think the the two words that one could describe this movie is dreary and European. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Dirty um, is also a word you could use to describe this movie. Uh, I think that's all packed in there with European. The other thing, uh, watching oh, like like yeah. uh, I don't know if you've watched like very many like Michael Haneke movies, um, but like Maybe? like he's like Funny Games and White Ribbon and Cash. No. I don't know if you've watched any of this stuff. Um, no. He's he's the master of like kind of like dreariness and existentialism, which is a thing mm-hmm. that runs through both of these films. Um, right. And like, there's always like this like um, I don't know. There's a like whereas I've described like Japanese cinema as being cruel. I find mm-hmm. that European stories have this indifference from like the population. Like they're not necessarily cruel, but they're kind of mm-hmm. be like, "What are you doing here?" Like, "Oh, uh, are you okay? Okay, well yeah. if you're okay, I'm moving along. See you later." And then you're just kind mm-hmm. of you, you just keep wandering through that muddy field and uh, moving to your next score, maybe. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I liked Vagamon more than I liked Cleo from five to seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the, the elliptical style. I think I read like uh, off the Wikipedia page. This movie is basically chopped up into like 47 chapters, essentially, mm-hmm. like where it kind of goes back and forth too between like, like you'll have like, you're getting recollections of people that she encountered um, like yeah. on the road. And like sometimes you get the recollection after you've already seen the scene of their interaction um, Mm -hmm. or like you get in the middle of it or right before it's very loose with that chronology. And it's just sort of like this kaleidoscope of this character who um, she like, isn't necessarily the most sympathetic character. 
Uh, mm-hmm. which is a, a bold move to make when you're making movies because mm-hmm. you're, you're asking an audience to spend like an hour and a half, two hours to like hang out with her. And like, even though she's like making terrible decisions um, mm-hmm. and like, you're like, oh my God, she kind of is bringing this on herself, which I think the movie's on the same page with as well. But I right. think like the, the stance that, uh, that Varda would be making here is that that doesn't mean that the story is any less worth telling. And it's like a unique, mm-hmm. it's a story too of like you don't usually get the story of like a female vagabond like if you think about like the history of like movies of like sort of like people just stumbling through circumstance their comedies um Mm -hmm. like like a chaplain or something like that like you get the tramp and it's like haha isn't this fun and jokey and like uh, farcical when in reality it's like no it's like a it's just it's like uh, a lot of choices that have to be made Mm -hmm. um i'll continue on with this thought but uh, I'll let you go on about this movie and what you thought of it. Cause I think, okay. I think cause you already alluded to the fact that you found like the characters, like not relatable yeah. or, or kind of unlikable. Yeah. Or whatever. Well, see the thing too, is like the characters don't have to be like relatable for me to like it. Like I, some of my favorite movies, like what we were talking about earlier, like the fountain, I don't relate to Hugh Jackman. Like I'm not flying around in a fucking space bubble. That's an extreme like, though. That's like, yeah, I know. It's I, like, oh, I, that's why, well, uh, that's why I picked uh, it. Yeah. It's Cause it's an extreme. That, but my, like, my point is I don't have to relate to them, but I do find like sometimes for movies that where, um, the rest of the movie itself doesn't engage me enough. If there's a certain aspect of the characters that I, I really like or not even relate or identify with, like, cause that doesn't, that doesn't really matter. But if you kind of, if there's something about the character that you can pull away some, or like a certain aspect of the movie, then you, I can enjoy a little bit more, but like, uh, so yeah, like I know, I know it was an extreme, but uh, my, my point is like, so remember last week when we watched the million and I was like, this guy's just a fucking prick. Like he's a bum. Right. Like he wouldn't pay his it, bills. And I was like, I don't in, like, but, feel in, bad but in that movie, I think you're supposed to be like, you're supposed to, I think you're supposed to like that guy. Like, I think you're supposed to like, despite his failings, cause he's a comedic character. You're supposed to be kind of like, huh, he's what a, what a scamp. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So well, you're, you're supposed to, but at the same time I didn't. And then in this one, uh, like I kind of I know what you mean like she doesn't really make the character sympathetic at all so you don't really root for her but at the same time I was just annoyed by her because <laughs> I think uh, the way she lives her life is not something that I, I understand completely because she's just a bum and it's like she gets offered all these good stuff it's like hey you can live here we'll give you like you just work you can have food and you can have shelter but she's like nah I'm I'm about the road and I'm all about freedom and I ain't going to be shackled down by this stuff. And to, like to, that's, par- to paraphrase, <laughs> that's like this whole fucking movie is like, uh, like even other characters directly to her, they're like, they're like, your life is the road. And it's like, you care more about freedom than you do about food. And it's like, I, I feel like she, it's a little heavy handed at times. Like when she's with the sheep farmer, that guy literally has oh, yeah. those conversations yeah. with her. It's like, your life is the road. And then it's like, you, you want the freedom. And like, I just, I never felt bad for her because it's like, she's being offered all this good stuff and she turns it down because she's a bum. She'd rather just like sleep in like an old shack or like in a pile of mud like and cause she does at certain points. She's like she's sleeping in like old mud piles, and it's like why why put yourself through that because you don't want a job? 
I don't know. Maybe. I, I, well, no, see, I don't know if that's like the choice, though. I mean, that's like the inevitability of living that st- lifestyle in the yeah. world that the society's created. And that's like the only sure. way to like, so there's like no other option. It's like a false choice. Um, yeah. But like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, she is offered like a bunch of stuff. Right. Like, yes. even which, at the which sheep are, farm, it's right. Compromise, but, yeah. but they're always, but they're always like, Right. Well, see, that's why, like, that, that's like I think one of the most important scenes in the movie is like with the dropout hippie guy. Like, yeah. that that is like a really key scene because <laughs> that's like when people talk about bums, they're talking about that guy usually, and like yeah. this guy who's yeah. like, oh, like I mean, uh, you know, the uh, Southern Albertan mindset around th- these <laughs> ne- our neck of the woods is like, oh, if you're not living, you're a bum. Like, if you're not working for a living, yeah. what else are you doing? Like, they cannot <laughs> fathom another world other than like one that is like based on uh, the capitalist sort of uh, materialist idea of like yeah you just like live you're, you're nice mm-hmm. to people and uh, you know you, you go watch the sports game you go buy yep. some shit and if you don't do those things you're weird and like and this is yeah. like an extreme form of weird like mm-hmm. like most people that like you or I know or like interact with on a regular basis there's like mm-hmm. no one like the like Mona in our lives like we because those people are gone like they like right. they flicker in and out and they're the people that you do see like you look and go oh man they look like, like they're living like a shitty lifestyle I don't like mm-hmm. want to be them whatsoever and like <laughs> yeah they probably have like shitty attitudes they probably like mm-hmm. there's they have a chip on their shoulder they're like man man if they just settle down like it's all like our worst judgments and like whatnot yeah, are, yeah, yeah. are something that like are captured by that character and i think this movie mm-hmm. like is kind of like it's what it is is it's trying to like create us uh that character that like confronts us with the fact that like we all our values are like the antithesis of what she's mm-hmm. doing and like because like she's presented with these opportunities that like we view them as opportunities but they're right. o- but they're always at the end of the compromises because I see. she has to like like well you could do this but then you have to like, there's all these other things that you have to trade off with and it's like yeah. when, when the oppor- like and it's like at the same time like you or I like you know we mm-hmm. both like we pay our rent we uh, we go yeah. to work we're, we have we're, we pay our bills we have credit ratings mm-hmm. we're worried about uh, we have like we, we go to <laughs> family dinners we like have to be nice to people all the time and like yeah. well, there's all these things that like we just do and like it's like well it just makes life easier and we're good people mm-hmm. by definition by that but when we have this char- flip side of a character to this where you're like okay mm-hmm. this person doesn't give a shit about any of those things they'd rather like live like they'd rather freeze to death in a ditch which is like yeah. I don't think anyone actually wants to do that that they want to be able to do what they want at all times which is a challenge because mm-hmm. no one, like, we're kind of told from like uh, a fairly early age that that's not what life is, and I'm not, I'm not sure it's like sort of like a weird like Protestant thing. Even if you're mm-hmm. like not religious or whatever, like it's like this work ethic that's instilled with you. Like, mm-hmm. like you have to do this and this to get this, and that's how life is. And you're kind of like, and that's always stressed to you. And right. I mean, there's like a for the most part, like it, it shows results. It's not like it's mm-hmm. like not true. It's just like, well, that, yeah. that seems to be a system that actually does work because putting this amount of work into something in a system will generate this sort of output. Um, that's not always necessarily a hundred percent the case, but generally it does mm-hmm. work, which is why everyone kind of falls into it. And then like it fall, it throws their hat into that. So yeah. this 
vagabond character is like exists in that world that we all mm-hmm. like exist in and like yeah like i mean you're totally like right like what you're saying yeah. is like that is the reaction that like you had like <laughs> I, when i was watching this movie yeah i was thinking about your reactions because i because oh. I, I, I i've known you yeah. for a while and i'm like oh mm-hmm. man i know what rj's thinking right now <laughs> like watching this movie mm-hmm. when he gets to it and uh, it's like yep <laughs> but i think that's like kind of the idea <laughs> yeah no yeah i think you're right like you you bring up some interesting points and like I guess, I, I, like it's like we were saying with, with when you were talking about mother. Like, you know, sometimes a good movie is something that makes you think. Like, you don't really. Sometimes you don't understand it. Sometimes you don't agree with it. But uh, as you said, you can kind of peg me now. And from a family upbringing of agricultural Catholic roots, yeah, uh, you're damn right. I'm in that. I'm in that mindset where it's like, well, you got to work. Like, you can't just be a bum. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and stuff like that. I was just like, I don't get it. Like, like I yeah. understand people who don't want to work. And like, I understand people, well, not even like don't want to work, but it's like, you don't want to fit into that kind of thing. And, but I don't, I don't see myself as like, like, I know it is those ideal, uh, idyllic, like, I don't know, uh, like what you're saying, like you, you do this, you do that, you have your family dinners, you pay your rent. And like, I know that's like. A, a type but i, it's, I, I it's don't know really... yeah yeah it's not a guarantee but it's like yeah. also like pretty safe bet and like mm-hmm. in, in a life of like uncertainty and like security like we're kind of taught to like those are like the paramount things in yeah and that's like yeah, not yeah. like a north american thing necessarily either that's like pretty mm-hmm. like like the industrial world is based on these things and i mean there's a mm-hmm. lot of creature comforts there's like things you're like yeah you know i just like to be able to like have a hot shower in the morning i like to be able to just yeah. go take a shit in a toilet and it's going to mm-hmm. i hit this little thing and it just sweeps it away i don't have to yeah. I don't well, have that to, is nice i don't have to smell it for very long i just like yep. it goes away and i don't know what happens after that but it's someone else's problem and as long mm-hmm. as those pipes are kept clean as long as i pay my heating bill and the mm-hmm. water is kept warm and i i can i don't have to think about it and it's one less thing you have to worry about is like where's my bathroom or um mm-hmm. like you know oh the, the, my food's not going to spoil <laughs> uh my fridge <laughs> my fridge works i have a fridge uh i i i, I bought a fridge um but like yeah. those are all just like things that i don't know there's things and like there's an extreme yep. um I don't know. Yeah, I've, no, I've, I, I've, I've read my I've read my Walden. I've I've yeah. uh, I've thought about living in the woods. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I know. Like I hey, who who hasn't had that idea once to buy a horse and just move to the mountains? Stop, stop bothering everybody. Yeah. 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 Like who like no I no, I know. It's um I, I understand like where it comes from. It's just it pulled me out of it. I was like, I, I don't feel bad for you, you bum. I, I have the the Ralph Klein approach, uh, where it's Bums you know, and creeps, get a, chase him yeah, out. Get, yeah, get a get a job, you bum. That's yeah. how uh, he he dealt with the the um, unemployment in our province a long time ago. So. Back in the nineties. <laughs> Back in the nineties. Yeah. What are we gonna do with the unemployed uh, pre- uh, premier Ralph Klein? Uh, get him, tell him to get a job. <laughs> like he, he did it. He go, solved the problem. Going to uh, homeless shelters and throwing money yep. at them, drunk. It's, yep. And getting reelected because <laughs> uh, that's the sort of that's the, best. The, that's the place we're from. Yeah. Um, he, he was truly the best of us. But anyways, so even though I uh, I wholeheartedly disagree with the lifestyle because um, get a job. Uh, this movie in general, there are, there are aspects I, I do like. Um, I thought the intro was really cool where they're like wiping the red stuff off of it. I thought that 
like oh, off yeah. the walls. I thought that all looked really cool. And then when the tree people scene happened, I was like, uh, I don't understand uh, this the, at all. The, the swamp people, yes. The swamp okay, people. yeah, that's like the that's like the final five minutes too. Like yeah. it's it comes at you, and you're like, what the fuck? Fuck. It's, yeah. it's this is some sort of Wicker Man shit going down right now. Yeah. Because it, it looks like they're stealing people. I was like, it, it was like the geek show in the last movie. I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Okay, so um, Swamp People made more sense to me in some ways. Okay, so to step back, have, have you seen the movie Wendy and Lucy? Uh, I don't think the, the so. The movie from Michelle Williams. Uh, oh, what's her name? She, she, no. Her movie no. Just, uh, no, okay, anyway. It's a movie about a, it's a girl and her dog, <laughs> and they're like on the road. They're, they're going to Alaska, and her car breaks down, and you're mm-hmm. confronted with the reality of like what happens when you have no money to like fix right. your car and uh but you have this dog this really lovely sweet dog <laughs> and she has to like make the decision of like oh do i like bring this dog with me in like my piece of shit life of like going on the road yeah or do i do right by this dog and like just leave it and like it's mm-hmm. like her dog gets like picked up by the city and it's like it's it's like a brutal movie like it's a re- yeah. it's a really good it's just like a character i, I piece. don't think i'd watch that no but nothing bad happens to the dog it's not one of those movies yeah. but it's like very like affecting because it's like it's about a dog and, a, and a, mm-hmm. her dog and it's just like oh poor dog I but gotcha. anyway it's oh what's her name uh reichart anyways good move good director i like <laughs> her stuff and she had a movie just come out in the criterion collection um certain right. certain women with laura dern because she's in everything cool. uh speaking of which this movie has chained up dogs uh a couple those up here and they're always barking um yeah in yards yeah i wonder like what that. they did to what the film crew did to get those dogs to bark oh come on dogs bark all the time <laughs> yeah I'm, i i know <laughs> I, I was just playing to the type yeah 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 um but yeah so i was gonna say there there is stuff that i do like um there was one line i thought was really cool when she's or that I liked when she was talking to the sheep farmer and they're like talking about all their problems. And he's like, well, we've all got things. It's just how it is. And I was like, yeah, man, everyone's <laughs> got a problem and this is yours. So I like that. Um, I don't, I usually am big into the nonlinear uh, elliptical style, as you said. Yeah. Um, I didn't like some of the ways they presented it here. Like the little, I'm going to use a word I used last time the vignettes Mm -hmm. where it's like you see when she's with the people and then later it's almost like they're being interviewed by like a documentary in her. Well, like it's like the the movie's like capturing a conversation they're having with like somebody else or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all offhand conversations. I I didn't mind it a couple times, but there were some times where I was like, cause it's like, sometimes it's really out of nowhere where you'll see a scene of her walking down the street and then I'll cut to a guy in a house. And he's like, yeah, she was smelly. And well, then it'll like it'll uh, cut there, to a different there's scene. A, there's a great uh, quote that I liked a lot called "It's just a dirty girl with a backpack," and I'm like, "What mm-hmm. did David Lynch write this?" Yeah, a dirty girl with a backpack appears, and dirty smelling hippies or bearded men, dirty bearded men in a room. In a room. Yeah. So I don't know. Like there were things I liked, but again, I I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't love either of these. Or, I don't know. I'm not going to watch either of them ever again. Because <laughs> I don't, I, I hate hippies. Yeah, you're, you're, you don't like women and you don't like. No, free, that's not you, true. No, no, you know, this, hear me out. You you don't like women. You don't like uh-huh. uh, female directors. They should be not allowed to make movies anymore. I, 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 oh. This is like, no, it's all on record. You've said all these things. Um, and everyone oh. should just work for a living and you should restrict freedom. <laughs> yeah and uh you don't like swamp people 
Um, I didn't say I don't like the swamp people. Yeah, I said I don't understand the swamp people. It was pretty, I mean, so anyway, so yeah, the, the end of this movie comes like fairly quickly, and you're like, oh, she's just like come across this like village in somewhere uh-huh. in France, and uh, and then like she's seeing all these people hiding, and they're like closing up windows and like taking off, like they're like, oh shit, and you're like, what the hell's going on? And then these like dudes show up, and they're all like mm-hmm. like like swamp thing, um, and there's like a bunch of them, and they just start like uh, attacking people. Playfully, mm-hmm. because it's like a fertility right thing, and I don't like. Who knows okay. what? I mean, you're not supposed to know because you're supposed to be experiencing it like Mona is, because she's just like mm-hmm. wandering in this town. You're like, what the hell is this? Because this community has its own like views of the world that it thinks are acceptable, even though it's mm-hmm. like that doesn't make any sense. So why why is this okay? And it's so she gets like drenched in water because of these like crazy people uh just dumping people and attacking them for fun mm-hmm. uh and then you know that's like how she dies she like escapes this town of like fertility rights going on and then she mm-hmm. like falls down into a ditch hits her head and she just kind of like turns over and uh goes to sleep and dies and it's like this really depressing final shot of her just staring off into the great nothing and we yeah. know how it ends because it's how <laughs> the movie begins and mm-hmm. uh that's that's the life and uh i don't know it's just it's the facts it's existence Yep. Because uh, you know what? Even if you live like the comfortable, risk-free existence, we all wind up dead. And uh, I don't know. It's, that's it's, the truth. It's, I guess the whole idea of living on your own terms, determining whether or not, uh, I don't know, what, what what's doable for you. Um, mm-hmm. And then I guess like making that life for yourself. Uh, think, think in terms of these types of movies. Have you ever seen yeah. Into the Wild? Sean? Yes. Yeah. What did you think of that movie? Because that kid's a bum, uh, but he's a boy. Yeah, he, so he's a guy, so you you like him more. And it's directed by a man, so you like it more. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam did the soundtrack to that movie, and I like that. Yep. But uh, he is a, a bum. And he made a mistake, and he ate a berry he shouldn't have ate or whatever. Yeah. And that's, his, that's on him. Yeah. He deserved to die. So whatever. I don't – like – like, see, that's what I mean. Like, I understand. I think his was a little different, though. Like, because wasn't his like a journey of like discovery, not like I just don't want to do stuff because that's like what she was. She's like, I just don't care. Yeah. But wasn't Into the Wild, like, wasn't he trying to like find something, find himself? It's was it's the same difference. Hmm. I don't know. I feel one, like they're one, different. One, one pause. It's because it's also uh, a based on an article by a man. Uh, all white men rj and uh they are all uh it's a story about a guy who's like more likable because he's like oh he's just like me a college age kid he's like decides i'm gonna yeah. drop out and i'm gonna find america and find myself this is a story that's like the flip side it's like there's no pretext of that shit it's just like yep uh i'm uh a teenage girl and i'm going to like i don't give a fuck society sucks it's fucked it's it's, mm-hmm. just, it's shitty it's not fair and i'm gonna drop out and then i still have to deal with the male gazes because there's all these shots of her like wandering around and there's these there all these guys mm-hmm. always stop and they look and they take a look down up and down and she but she plays the game because it's, it's a strategy it's a survival strategy because she does the, mm-hmm. the the flirtatious looks back to get what she needs out of those gazes like sure like like a sandwich and uh that's the that's the thing she plays um it reminded me too though of like uh i had flashes back to uh passion of joan of arc because there's like mm-hmm. that whole story of like the reason why she was wearing like uh like 
she was dressed like a man and like in soldier yeah. gear was because it was harder to like for men to like undress her to rape her while she's in prison. Um, right. And so there's like that thing where like, yeah, she's like wearing this like, like unassuming kind of black leather jacket to like trying to like deflate the fact that people can look at her or look at her body and mm-hmm. like her hair is just down and stuff like that. Like she's just kind of like trying to move through life. And I mean, the actress um, they cast, I mean, She's not this great beauty. She's not a Selena Gomez. She's not like oh, some, some some young thing that's nubile. The reason mm-hmm. why I bring up Selena Gomez is because there was some bullshit about her getting a fucking kidney last week. Mm-hmm. And now she, and I guess she's like in the, a Woody Allen movie. Surprise, surprise. Um, sure. Because if, if you want to be uh, the stamp of approval, uh, approval on your nubile body, you're in a Woody Allen movie generally. Mm-hmm. Hello, Scarlett Johansson. Um Anyway, so this movie, like, it, it's actively against those things that we expect from movies. And, right. uh, I mean, I don't know if, like, I wouldn't call it, like, a super enjoyable movie. Like, it's not like, wow, mm-hmm. man, I can't wait to pop that in like I do, like, a uh, Martin Scorsese movie or something like that. It's, like, mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's like a real movie. That isn't like necessarily a pleasure to watch, but I mean, mm-hmm. I found it really interesting. It's it's awesomely shot. I really like the way this movie looks. Um, there's this like really great thing that she has going out throughout the movie too, where it's like a right to left tracking shot with that like right. movie, and it's like man, it's like kind of weird because it's like usually in like North American Western storytelling, you move left to right when you're progressing mm-hmm. through a story. And this movie's like, it's always right to left. So it's kind of telling, it's always back. So, I mean, I thought it was like a yeah. nice, it's a nice weird little touch that like, uh, she does it enough where you're like, oh, it brings attention to itself. So I'm like, I guess because it's all set in the past um, rather than, I don't know. I, 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 I like this movie. Um, I mean, I don't know if I'd be like super recommending it to people though. I mean, I think you have to be a certain type of person to get something out of this. Like, I don't know if I'd be like, hey, RJ, you should watch this movie. Cause like watching it, I was like, I don't think RJ's going to like this movie a great deal. Yeah. It, it has nothing to do with it being a female director. I just want to make that clear because you said that many times. I don't hate women, okay? All right. I just don't, I don't like bums. That's it. Wow. All right. So you're, so you're, uh, you're not much of a class warrior. They, they all just need to get jobs. I told you, get a job, you bum. Yeah. It's like, who's going to hire that stinky guy? I'll hire you. You come over. I'll give you a buck to mow my lawn. <laughs> or you'll be a, like a kid who's like, Mr. President, <laughs> I want to mow the yard. And, and goddamn and, right you and, let him. And, and you'll fly him in, and then he'll come out. The president will be like, that's a good job you're doing there. That's, and that's you stiff a, him on the pay. That's America. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know, man. I just, it's like I said, I, uh, I don't know. I don't relate to the story at all and which it doesn't really matter. But the whole time I was like, you're, you're getting offered so many good things. Just take it. (laughs) Just, just take, take, take the ship sheep farm. They offered you like a house. All you had to do was plant some potatoes. (laughs) Wouldn't be that bad. That sounds like horrible. (laughs) Well, maybe to you, but like those guys are living in a sheep barn and they seemed okay. Yeah, because that's what they think they have to do, I guess. I guess. What would you rather do, live in a trailer and plant potatoes or die in the ditch after tree people mug you? Hmm. That's the big question, isn't it? Freedom and the road or food and comfort. It's all about compromise. Where where do we compromise? Uh, Or in in the... a throwback to another movie discussed. Uh, it's about when you decide to burn the house down. There you go. So RJ, who hates Yo. these movies? 
Um, got a couple here, uh, some choices. Uh, talking about Cleo from five to seven. Uh, mm-hmm. No, like, no real, like, real hate, hate. reviews. Yeah. These are some two stars. Uh, one from Dimitri. A bore of a film. It seems to be getting a lot of credit from people versed in French New Wave as innovative, existential, etc. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's essentially plotless and dull. Debbie Harry Cleo is hot and sometimes likable, but following her around Paris as she shops for hats and engages into similarly aimless activities for an hour and a half gets old pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. fortunately, I'm glad Dimitri enjoyed uh, looking at uh, uh, Cleo and just like, mm-hmm. it's like, ah, uh, it's like Jennifer Lawrence being forced upon us and being told she's sexy. I'm like, yep, that's, that's the priority of this movie that you're talking about is whether right. or not someone's sexy. Gaze, dude, it's all around us and it's, it's, something uh that's one thing actually uh that i uh liked about i thought it was like a nice honest moment that i don't know if it totally won me over with cleo from mm-hmm. five to seven was the end of the movie where like doctor rolls up and he's like oh yeah hey we'll st- <laughs> we'll, we'll start on monday we'll see you next week and he's like whoa i guess that means i have cancer <laughs> like it's just like boom and he's like whatever not a big deal we'll start treatment and uh he drives off in his car and then she's mm-hmm. like oh i feel better at least like I, I feel so much yeah. better now that I know, which is actually probably a true thing. Like once you, it's the not knowing that's way worse. The anticipation of like finding out a test is like way worse than like actually finding out what it is because you have no mm-hmm. power whatsoever over uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, two and a half stars from one RP Jones. <gasps> much like Breathless, this is a new wave film I can't seem to fully get behind. I usually don't have problems with shapeless narratives that follow their want, but something about the way the French did it in the 60s just doesn't keep me connected. Here, it's easier to point to high points, the disrupting opening, the session with the pianist, Cleo feeling the looks of passer buyers, her unexpected relationship, and lament the film not being able to keep the emotional low points as engrossing. Hmm. That's not far off i guess from what i yeah. think i mean there's a lot of technical stuff i think this movie does look good um mm-hmm. but yeah it's well, not, yeah it, that's what i was saying like yeah. i i like the first movie i mm-hmm. think the first one's pretty good like i i just i don't love it i'm never gonna watch it again and i do like i don't i don't dislike vagabond either i like it i just parts of it made me mad because take yeah. a shower get a job <laughs> but no like yeah yeah, I agree with like what that guy's saying. Like, I I actually do like uh, what I was saying. I think the opening of Cleo is wicked good. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it holds that for the whole movie. Oh, so I had a this is like oh, completely unrelated to anything, but uh, that tarot card scene when she was laying yeah. out the uh, the nine cards, I was thinking mm-hmm. like, oh, Twin Peaks: The Return. It's eighteen mm. episodes. That's split in half, which that should like it definitely has like a feeling of being mm-hmm. divided. That would correspond to nine and nine. And there's like I don't know. <gasps> I, I posted about this a little bit. I'm like, oh, and like Mar- Mar- Mark Frost seems like a type of guy that was into tarot. And I wonder tarot? if he like does. Uh, there's like a design aspect to like mm-hmm. the, the using a tarot deck with the laying out of the series. That like mm-hmm. he just like laid out cards and he went, "Yep, that's the structure we're going to go with." And like, and he's like, "That's all they did." And then David Lynch went and did whatever the fuck he wanted. But like, there's like yep. certain things where you're like, "Hmm." That's something. That's something, all right. And like, yeah. I, I'm, I, I would love to read like a real interview with Mark Frost, and I'm really looking forward to that mm-hmm. book coming out at the end of October. Yeah, me too. Uh, uh, yeah, I can get you a set of uh, a deck of tarot if you want. Oh, I've, I've got one. You won't have to ask okay. your mom for one. 
She's got so many tarot's, real I, cool ones too. I, I think I, when I was looking up Twin Peaks and tarot, uh, I did see that somebody put out a Twin Peaks themed tarot deck last year. Nice. Some Kickstarter thing. Uh, who hates Vagabond other than RJ and poor people and women? Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Maddock, mm-hmm. two stars. With a main character I found dislikable all the way through, Vagabond was a disappointing experience with a suffering of poor effort. Uh, I don't know what that means. Maybe yeah. maybe an antihero would be a better suited intention, but there has to be nah. something to commend her for as she goes around along the road. If I can't care while she's living, well then, you know. <laughs> it often reminds me why I didn't find the happening all that compelling either. Melodramatic music staining an otherwise convincing shot of emotion or anguish. Shame. Such a shame. Uh, I don't know. Um, that, that's that's the first time I'm pretty sure that the happening has been referenced um, in terms of like these uh, uh, hate reviews. Um, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. Uh, can I give you a hot take here, man? Yep. Uh, when I watched the happening, I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah, I, I've uh, yet to watch it. Um, but, but now my current uh, fi- uh, feelings about Mr. M. Knight are a little different from when, when they were back in that days. Yeah. I gave him a lot of credit for Signs and Unbreakable, and maybe I, I wouldn't anymore. Well, uh, I, will, I, I find M. Knight uh, unlikable. <laughs> or well, is that even, also because dis- I send dis- you his dislikeable, so much? Or, or as this fellow says, dislikable. <laughs> dislikable. Yeah, this guy was a little harsher than I was. Okay. Uh, and then uh, finally, well, Ben DeBono, uh, he gave this two and a half stars. Uh, I didn't care for Vagamon much at all. It's not a well-made film. This and Cleo are more than enough to convince me that Agnes Varda is a very talented director, but it's one I didn't enjoy watching and find little mm-hmm. in it to recommend, which is strange to say it's not a well-made movie, but then say the director is very talented. Uh, yeah, that's a little conflicting. The basic premise is solid enough. I like the concept of examining an unconventional character without either judgment or romanticism. The problem is that Mona is such an extraordinarily unlikable person that the film's approach toward her doesn't work. A film like this ought to challenge our preconceptions and biases. If you're predisposed or predisposed to like this sort of character, you ought to come mm-hmm. away seeing her flaws. If you're predisposed to dislike her, like RJ, you ought to come away with greater empathy and understanding. No. No. That's not how stuff works. That that's yeah. That's like a uh, that's some basic bitch right there. Um, yeah, that's not how things work. That that's like he, that's why people hate mother. Um, in yeah. that regard, it fails. By the end of the film, I had almost no empathy for Mona. What happens to her is tragic, but it's a tragedy of her own making. Well, that's fucking tragedies. <laughs> she routinely yeah. mistreats those who try to help her. There's little sense of why she ended up in her position other than simple selfishness. I don't have an issue with unlikable characters per se, but a story has to recognize them as unlikable. Here, the movie wants us to see Mona as a flawed but ultimately good character. I can't see her as anything but selfish and destructive uh, toward herself and others. Because of that, the film does not work for me. Like, this is kind of like, this to me is like kind of represents like the most typical view of this movie by people. uh, That would make me mad. Um, where it's just like, oh man, you just don't want to talk about movies in an interesting way other than like if it's got to be like right out of like Robert McKee's story, just like the most laid out uh, typical storytelling. Everything has to be like, he has to follow these particular rules. Otherwise it's not worth watching at all. And it doesn't work for me. 
That's like uh, some of the one of the other guys we've read his bad reviews for on the show where it was like it's like a movie has to entertain. If it doesn't entertain, it's not a movie. Yeah. And it's like I am film for life. It's like no, <laughs> that's not how stuff works. Like even though uh, whoever this person was, this last review you read, um, like there's certain aspects of their review that I was like, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff where it's like, well, no, that's not how stuff works. It's like if you don't. She, what what they said it was like if you don't feel bad for her you should at the end or if you do feel bad for her you shouldn't at the end it's like that doesn't make any fucking sense like what do, what do you mean you, your opinion of her should change like sometimes your opinions won't won't change I don't know mm-hmm. it's silly it, silly silly I mean yeah it's like uh, I mean it's 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 a risk to make a movie about a character that like it's like actively unlikable like they're like basically yeah. like every time you're like oh i can kind of feel bad for her oh wait no she kind of brings this upon herself and it kind of pushes people's empathy to yeah. an edge and it's like people's degrees of empathy are going to vary uh like and it's going to get these reactions too uh yep. anyway yeah so those are those two movies another double header mm-hmm. down um yep. after the break i don't know we're gonna gaze at women creepily from alleys they better I be, think they, I'm going to go down in the ditch. They're going to be sexy. They better be sexy. Otherwise, I'll be very mad oh. and write letterbox reviews about it. <laughs> now they should be sexier because I'm a creep. Mm. Chauvinist Duncan over here mm-hmm. with his sexy ladies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sometimes I don't know where this dirty road is taking me. Sometimes I can't even see the reason why But I guess I'll keep on gambling Lots of booze and lots of rambling Oh, it's easier than just waiting around to die One time, friends, I had them all I even had a paw He beat her with a belt once because she cried RJ, what are you going to do to make the world a better place today? Probably going to quit my job, uh, get a sleeping bag, and just take off onto the road. Yeah. Freedom, man. Ride the rails. <laughs> Riding with the king. Yeah, we're going to ride the bullet for a while and uh, sleep in ditches and maybe just die. Have I uh, made you uh, watch Emperor of the North yet? Uh, is that that sweet movie with Lee Marvin? Yeah, and uh, and uh, Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, yeah. One of those guys hits the other guy with a chicken, and it's pretty outrageous. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but that's a sweet movie about. Uh, see, I'm I'm on Ernest Borgnine's side on that. He's fighting the no good bums that are hopping on his train, <laughs> pushing them under the tracks and stuff, hitting them with chickens. You go, Ernest. R.J. the man, Baylog. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Truly the man. You can email us at criterioncrease at gmail.com and tell us where you fall. Are you uh, the man or are you against the man, man? Are you the man or are you pro-bum? Are you going to be planting potatoes or are you <laughs> going to be planting in the fields, fertilizing those potatoes? Uh, we've, got a, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We're on SoundCloud, too. Uh, that's what hosts us. And uh, you can download us from that Stitcher, iTunes, whatever the fuck you use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and next week, 
Yes. Fuck me. Yes. <laughs> Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy from whenever it came out. I think 96. 97. You should be more excited, uh, man. Oh, my God. I haven't seen that. Okay. This movie sucked. Like, I was a big Kevin Smith fan. Uh, oh, oh, no. Spoilers. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I was a big Kevin Smith fan back in the day, and this is the movie, like, I didn't really like. So, hmm. and, like, I think Kevin Smith's, like, total garbage. Like, he sucks. Um, so this is going to be fun. I'm going to be revisiting all the classics. Oh, who, it could. Uh, ben Affleck. Big Ben. Yeah. Jason Lee. Yeah. What's her face? Um, yeah. And like Jason Mewes and, mm-hmm. and Silent Bob. Come on. This might be a fun episode next week, Jared. Ooh, baby. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be something, all right. Anyways, uh-huh. uh, another classic episode, I think. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> a lot of bum talk. Yeah, a lot of RJ hating on poor people. No. Yep. Poor people have jobs. <laughs> yeah, they do. But apparently they should work harder. Uh, I'm going to decline to answer that one. Wow. All right, folks. Good night. Man, get a job, you bums. Done. You hate poor people.